0: This is East Carolina Offensive of Coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick. We are talking one of my favorite things, hired football and the sports objectives.
1: Welcome into the sports objective live from Portview backyard barbecue in Williamson, got a lot of great people here, and uh, maybe we have a bacon eating contest behind me. But uh, kind of hurry up and get here because we got somebody that's ready to uh, take you on. Um, but anyway, and uh, maybe uh, hey Semenza, uh, maybe Semenza Jay Sunhalter, our first guest, or Bubba, if you like bacon, we got a guy that loves bacon. So welcome into our college football preview again. Live from Porky's Backyard Barbecue in Williamston. Glad to have our great sponsor, uh, Mark Holiday and Betsy Holiday. Appreciate them. Miss Joyce and everybody here uh, getting ready. Hey, fellas, uh, we got a big thing today. We're feeding the uh, – we lost our hospital on Thursday, and all the workers, there's 180 of them, and if they bring in their Martin General Hospital ID, they're going to get fed between 12 and 2 today. So we've got that going on and a very sad situation. Hopefully we can get our hospital back. But we have college football. That's always exciting. And uh, Kyle from the Grange Barber, what's up, dude? Good well, on, Dave? Uh, hopefully, I'll make
2: it uh, in person before thing's are over with. not, I'll be here digitally. But uh, man, uh, what, what, what a day yesterday in terms of news of college football, college football expansion. Yes. Uh, you know, it looks like we're heading towards uh, the Power Two with the Big Ten of the SEC. Uh, Big 12 obviously has really landed on their feet. It's going to be interesting to see. You got those remaining Pac 12 schools. Will, will, will the Big 12 be benevolent and invite them in to go to 20? Uh, there's some rumors that ESPN is pushing for that. Uh, will the Big 10 take Cal and Stanford? I don't think so, but who knows. Um, will they all four join the Mountain West? Will Michael Rasko get involved and make a play and invite the four? And then uh, maybe two from the Mountain West, which is what I'm hoping. Uh, just we to see how this plays out.
1: No doubt, and uh, guys, I'll tell you what, uh, we were talking about, there's only four teams left, right, in the, well, six, I guess. Um, if uh, so Four. four, four. It is four, yeah, yeah four. because of yeah, Oregon, Washington, it, yeah.
3: Oregon State and Washington State.
1: Yeah, there's four, so the bylaw state that they can vote to dissolve. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, at this point. I, I don't know.
2: I don't think it's going to take a vote. The, the problem is the difference between what happened with the Big East and what happened with the Pac-12 is two things. The, the Big East, yeah, they had about four football members left, but they had the basketball members at the time. And there was also still a TV deal in place. Their TV That's deal what dumb, I was getting and, and there and there's nothing being – you know, there's nothing signed. So, I, if, if Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, and Stanford, if they all four know they're not, they don't have a, another Power 5 home, there's a slight chance they could try to stay together. But I, I really don't know how much leeway, even at this point, they would have to invite in. Uh, American and the Mountain West teams. I really think those four, if if the Pac-12 doesn't extend uh, an invitation to them, are going to end up in the American or the Mountain West. Depending on how things play out.
1: No question, guys. We got to. I mean, what do you guys think with the uh, with that very thing? With uh, I know, uh, Kyle, you had. A, I'm putting you on the spot when you had the the great idea with uh, all those with those schools. It was what twenty schools. Um altogether ten basically it was pretty much all the American and then hodgepodge of Mountain West and West. Right. Left. Well,
2: in this case there's four left. And if that's four, yeah. Like I said, if nobody claims Stanford and Cal, I think Oregon State Washington state are, yeah. But if nobody claims Stanford Stanford or Cal, um and you guys jump in on this, um, one thing I was thinking with Stanford, if the if the Big Twelve doesn't claim them, I, I they don't have any leverage those for to lure people to the to whatever you want to call what's left of the Pac 12. I was thinking about this. If Stanford's out there, that could really play into our hands positively as the American versus the Mountain West. Um, because Stanford's academic standards are so high. Yeah. The Mountain West does not have any schools with high academic standards. They, If they had their druthers, they would rather be in a conference with Rice and Tulane and SMU and Navy than they would uh, anybody in the Mountain West with the exception of maybe Air Force.
1: Yeah, you're right. And that's, that's one of the things that would be interesting to see. And another thing I thought about is our conference is named the American Athletica Conference. So I know the intent was because of um, the geography and distance between, but man, uh, uh, with Stanford and uh, with the remaining teams, you take all those teams, that would be a big coup. My question is to you guys, I know, um, I didn't think that they, those teams would be available. Uh, with Stanford and Cal, because there's rumors, you know, they're going to uh, the uh, Big Ten, but they still haven't. So, what do you guys think about the as far as a TV deal? It is speculation, but that's what we're doing here early uh, August. Uh, we're getting ready for the 2023 football season. What do you think a TV contract? Do you think it's 15, 20 million if you get Stanford and Cal and uh, some of the other uh, Mountain West teams? Well, <clears throat> First of all, I think this is an opportunity for East Carolina guys and Mike
4: Oresco and John Gilbert and you know all the athletic directors right now and the Americans should be on the phone. They should be working together trying to come up with, you know, be creative, come up with a solution because of the fact that I, I truly believe this is an opportunity where if you can take those remaining four teams, uh, work with the Mountain West and try to do some form of a, what well, I guess for lack of a better term, a super conference and you know I think that would be a conference right there you're talking about teams like Air Force, Colorado um, I think that is the type of conference where not only does it create interest for the fan but it also um, would generate a much larger TV contract in my opinion so that's something I would be really interested in personally is it realistic I don't know I mean I like, think it
2: is yeah, one, ESPN supposedly told the Big Twelve that they, you know, w- without any really contract with the Mountain West to speak of, with ESPN, not not much one, they've lost their West Coast presence, and they they've you talk supposedly talking to them about inviting in Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State. Well, if the Big Twelve doesn't want to, and I and I don't imagine they do, or they would have, um, then those schools are left for the American to pick up. And like I said, if Stanford. Right. Is out there, I think they're going to want to be in a conference for the rights in a two lane. Um, right. You get those four and then take Boise State, and San Diego State from the Mountain West to go to 20.
1: Um, oh, my God.
2: Yeah. I mean, and then you, 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 I, to me, you got to talk to ESPN. And um, to do that, I think we'd have to be at a minimum of 15 million per school with the TV deal. And I think we could get between 15 and 20 million if that kind of league would play out. But, you know, who knows? They, they may all go through the Mountain West. Uh, I, I'm still not convinced that the Big 12 doesn't end up deciding to invite those Final Four going to 20. Um, we'll see. I think
1: they will. They they should uh, from their standpoint. And uh, by the way, if you have any comments you want to put up, uh, then Jason Halter. I'm just kidding, Jason Halter from ESPN <laughs> Plus. Our great brother, man, it's so great to see you. You know that means, guys, that when we have him on, uh, we're getting so close to. College football just around the corner, just a few weeks away. And I know Jay will be calling games, um, high school games um, and college games. And we're really excited. And One of my broadcast partners, Charles, uh, we're going to be uh, talking to Harold Robinson late in, late, later in the show. He's doing a book signing right now. Uh, we're going to have him at 10 o'clock. Um, but he'll be with us, the legendary coach of Williamston, myself, he, uh, Charles Smith, and others. Uh, Bubba Rosenbaum is helping us out and maybe some of the other guys from uh, our team here, the sports objective, we're going to be doing Martin County football. I got to practice that. I'm so used to saying Williamston Tigers, Riverside Knights, um, but the two schools in Williamston are Martin County. Williamston uh, being Riverside, and of course, Robertsonville being South Creek. They've combined with the athletics now, and guys, we've had over 50 guys to show up. Uh, they actually had last night a uh, midnight madness uh, for Martin uh, Martin County football. They had 150 people show up at midnight. So that makes me really excited for our future. And uh, we're going to be playing 1A ball and then 2A for the playoffs um, until realignment happens. And who knows, Bubba probably knows in the next year or two, I think, realignment comes back up. It's hard to keep straight because the conferences are always uh, juggling around and all that. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Harold Robinson later in the show. And um, every Friday night, you can listen to us here uh, for Martin County football. Very excited about that. And if you're looking for sponsorship uh, opportunities for that, or of course the sports objective, uh, we're, we're, we're always, uh, open to that for sure. Um, but anyway, want to remind everybody about that, right, Bubba.
3: Yeah. And definitely, you know, make, make plans. And, you know, if you're right there in the Williamson area, you know, you're following Martin County football to subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, or, like and follow on Facebook. You'll be able to, to listen to the game each and every Friday night on those platforms. But uh, just fired up about the start of college football. And three weeks from now, we'll have week zero. Four weeks from now, at this time, I will be you know, tailgating at the ECU Pirate Club tailgate outside of the big house, which is sold out. Um, you know, well over 2,500 Pirate fans headed up to Ann Arbor I and mean, fired up for the, the start of Pirate football. And. Taking a look at um, at the show, um, you, you mentioned Harold Robinson. We we'll also have um, the voice of dowdy Ficklin Stadium, Morgan Ehlers at 1130. DG, David Glenn of the North Carolina Sports Network from 11 to 1130. And then Adam Witten, the play-by-play voice of App State, will be joining us here in about 15 minutes. And speaking of play-by-play
2: play voices, Bubba, as Adam Witten from App State joins us, uh, we found out yesterday mm-hmm. we have a temporary – play-by-play voice uh, from the Carolina Panthers. Y'all help me out with his name.
3: Yeah, Jim Zoki. Uh, we're actually um, – Robert Matthews is already chiming in about that on either YouTube or Facebook uh, a couple minutes ago, and I told Robert that we'll definitely uh, discuss that. Uh, I was going to save that for uh, when DG signs in. I figured there was definitely some familiarity there uh, with Well, DG. yeah, but we can,
2: we can just discuss. Uh, yeah. and, and unless you have something we need to, to go to. Um, I just
3: thought I thought oh, that's fine. Go ahead.
2: No, I, we'll, we'll discuss the actual Zoki's ab- abilities and all with DG, but just uh, elaborating more on the situation and wanted to get Matt Jay's thoughts Um how this whole thing played out. Jay, I don't, I don't know how much you want to talk on it, but uh, how this whole thing played out with uh, with Chris Edwards and then um, you know not being able to get a permanent guy. Uh, certainly, certainly the guy who's going to be doing it is more than competent and would have no problem with him doing it permanently. And I'm not so sure that it might not work out that way. Uh, You know, he's got some duties with the Panthers still this fall and some basketball duties right now, I think, with Winthrop. Um, But things can change. So, uh, you know, Pyre fans fall in love with him. uh, Who knows? So, But, um, you know, I think it's a shame that we're in this situation. It's embarrassing. But, um, you know, at least we have somebody to call football games, right?
1: No doubt. And, uh, it's going to be really interesting. He's great. In fact, he uh, was a finalist when Mick Mixon retired a couple of years ago, he was a finalist for the job and he's been doing, uh, that's for the Panthers. He's been doing Panther football since the beginning, 20, 29 seasons with the Panthers this year. Uh, the, the whole entire run of the Panthers he's been on that broadcast. And so, um, we have a great, I, I like the fact that, uh, I like the fact that he's on board. In fact, they had three different options. You could do all three sports, football, basketball, baseball. You could do football, basketball, or football only. And he may have put football only, and people wondering why he was not a finalist. I think they gauged that to see, like, okay, are you going to do all three? Or are you committed well, he, to all three, two, or one?
2: Work, he does basketball work for Winthrop. Right. So I don't know why he, you know, if he's interested in the position permanently. I don't know if he is. Uh, he can do both. Um Uh, uh, Matt, what is your thoughts on on the situation?
4: Well, my first thought is it's more baseball work for my man, Jay Sunhalter. So, uh, you know. And basketball. And and basketball. So, Jay does a tremendous job with that. But uh, my thoughts are this. And and after I get my comment, I want to try to get Jay's thoughts uh, as well. But, uh, you know, the whole situation to me was very bizarre. You know, when you have six or seven months to make a hire that's more than enough time. I mean, how much time do you need? And, you know, it it was botched obviously with the resume situation and the the lies about graduating from East Carolina. I get all that. And, um, you know, to me, it's just, it's kind of embarrassing to wind up in this situation after six or seven months where we still don't have a permanent hire. And, you know, I posted about this on Twitter yesterday and, It brought up some really good conversation. People made some good points about the fact that, you know, hey, we had our guy, you know, uh, we did have our guy in place, but it didn't work out. Well, that somebody has to be responsible for that. You know, there has to be a a system of checks and balances where, you know, that homework is done before you introduce a new hire. You know, this is nothing new guys. in the business world. People are hired every single day. They go through an extensive background check you check the resume, you make sure that you're putting the right guy in place, and then you announce the hire. But uh, it's just a very bizarre situation. I hope that Zoke, you know, uh, turns out to be a, a really good thing. I'm not doubting his abilities at all. I think he's a really strong broadcaster, so no disrespect to him. Um, but my thoughts are, when I when I talk about this, it's, it's embarrassing for ECU and um, Jay, what what are your thoughts on? I don't know how much you want to comment on this. I don't want to put you in the spot since you're in the business, but what what are your thoughts about, about this situation?
2: Well, I I just think for me, I'm not really aware of any of any of the background details. Um, to probably, I just don't know any of the details. I just, I mean, my biggest thought is, I, I just, you know, kind of going back with with Jeff. I mean, I think the Pyro fans and and myself included we miss Jeff and and we're going to continue to miss Jeff and what a, what a great person he was for the community, for the program and, um, what he did on game days is something that we'll always remember. And, you know, I, I, I wish, uh, I wish Jeff was still here and, and, you know, we're going to miss him a lot, but I I just, you know, I know moving forward, hopefully, you know, everything gets solidified in the future. I I just don't know much about the background details on the whole process.
1: Well, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's really sad because again, When he passed away february 10th we were very upset emotionally the whole everybody in pirate nation loved jeff charles because of 35 years of think about all those relationships and now it's a situation where you're like okay by july 1 you thought you'd have somebody in place and then you know it's it took to august the 4th before we had somebody and now they're only interim that's what we're upset about Um, we had plenty of great candidates and um, a lot of people wanted the job so, you know, not only is it for Jeff Charles, uh, but we had plenty of time to make this decision. It wasn't like he passed away a couple of days ago. You know, guys, that's one of the things I was thinking about. It was um, he passed away, say, in July or now, like a couple of days ago. Then it's a very, very uh, t- touchy situation. You know, you probably would have to do interim situation um, because you don't want to make a quick hire and uh, all that. And out of respect to Jeff, but we've had plenty of time and. Um, and no responsibility has been taken by Playfly or the administration. Nobody took it. Uh, I, cu- I can't believe that that nobody took it. I mean, that's what leaders do.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there. I think uh, I, I think um, Gilbert uh, has kind of uh, passed the buck to Playfly. Maybe Playfly does hold full responsibility for this. I know Gilbert was very embarrassed. Um, one thing I will say, and then we'll move on from this topic until we get Gilbert or Earl, not Gilbert on, I'm sorry, David Glenn on, um, is that I will say this, you know, when everything fell through, you you tried to get Chris Haymeyer and he turned it down because, you know, for whatever reason, he didn't want it now. Uh, There was a couple other people I was told to turn it down also. I can't confirm those. Um, So it's kind of a scrambling. I I do think hiring in that situation, hiring an interim, uh, we should have never had to hire an interim, but instead of rushing and just hiring somebody to say they're permanent, um, I, I do think that that was a smart move. In This situation, um, I just don't think we should be in this situation, but um, anyway, um, back to the conference realignment, and then uh, you know, we'll get back on actually talking about some football, which would be nice, get some actual football. But um, I just I was gonna ask Bubba, I know Matt Phil, Matt kind of like me, he, he he hopes things play out with the with the coast to coast super conference for the American, Bubba, in your dream world, how would how would things realistically play out? Obviously, we'd all love to be in the SEC or the ACC. But it, 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 do you think there's a realistic shot? I know sometimes Bob is a little bit more um, grounded than, uh, than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there's a realistic possibility that, that we get those Pac-12 schools in the American?
3: I, you know, honestly don't know. I mean, I'm sure that would be great. But uh, I really, I don't know. For some reason, obviously their, their situation is a little bit different now you know, um, because <laughs> – you like you mentioned, um, you know, ESPN is I hadn't seen that report, but it did not surprise me. I was wondering if something like that may happen as far as them trying to encourage um, the big 12 to to take those remaining four. but um, you know, just the way you know when, when they had a little more leverage and when, when they were still together as the PAC nine, I guess at that point or actually actually even uh, the PAC 10. Before Colorado and made the move to the Big 12 when um, you know San Diego State uh, was was kind of shunned and uh, you know, trying to get back in, into the Mountain West and say, saying they never left. So I just it's certainly not what those four schools uh, want to do, but uh, at this point uh, they're not exactly a ton of options on the table. So it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds.
1: And it was the mountain, the Mountain West. Do they get? I, I take it they make a play at it too. Being geographically, it would make sense. Yeah, there there are well,
2: rumors that the Mountain West have already had conversations with Oregon State and uh, Washington State. Yeah,
3: you certainly ground. You really
4: it, so. go ahead, Matt. I was to say you, you, Kyle mentioned the word Bubba's a little more grounded. well. Let me bring <laughs> in, Let me bring in Sonny on this because you know Sonny and I do a, a show together, which I'm really looking forward to. And Jay is definitely the more grounded and he classes <laughs> it so up. He classes it up. So so Jay, let me bring you in here. I know we only have limited time with you. What are your thoughts on this craziness with the realignment and, and it just seems like it never ends? Yeah. What are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, I mean it I, I mean, honestly, I don't like it at all. I like the old rivalries, I like the conferences the way they were, I like the way college football was five, ten years ago. So I don't like any of this change. Um, unfortunately it's not gonna go back and it's just a money grab and you know, power grab with the networks and everybody trying to be in alignment. I mean, the biggest thing for ECU and, and the American conferences, the, the conference has to be aggressive because if you just sit back on your heels, then then it's you know, you may you it may work out or it may not. But like the American needs to go get other schools and just solidify and power, you know, power this conference and get more beef to it. Because if they sit back, you don't want to be poached by other conferences. You want to be the one that's adding schools, and, you know, kind of kind of solidifying yourself. So, I mean, that's my kind of my my feel on it. Um, I'm not a big I'm not an NIL, NIL fan. I don't like conference realignment. I guess I'm old school, even though I'm not that old. But <laughs> I'm old school on this. But I just wish things were kind of the way it was uh before. Unfortunately not gonna change. The other thing is no matter what conference we're in, we need to win. I mean, winning will right. keep so I mean whether we're in a bigger conference or the American or a smaller conference, we just need to focus on winning and you know, then it'll it'll work out the way it's you know, it's supposed to be and, and be we'll be the
1: best we can wherever we're at. And Bob, I know you have a quote from um the uh, Oregon State AD.
3: Yeah, it's something I actually saw on X. Um it still sounds weird saying that instead of instead of Twitter, but uh Stuart Mandel, who does an excellent job, um, had tweeted this last night. Um Arizona, excuse me, Arizona, Oregon State AD Scott Barnes, uh, was just talking about the the whole situation uh, with Oregon and Washington moving on, and then Arizona, Arizona State, Utah. He said he's in his fourth year as AD there in Corvallis, and this is the the fifth conference realignment of his career overall, but this is unlike anything he's ever experienced. I've never seen so many last-minute decisions and twists and turns as I've seen throughout this process, Barnes said. Conference realignment just doesn't make sense anymore. What this enterprise was built on was regionality and rivalries. That is gone, and that is leaving the Pac-12. Some of the most special pieces – about our model is regionality of competition and rivalries; Those things are forgotten.
4: It's a great quote. That's a great quote. And he's absolutely right. And let's just call it what it is, fellas. This this is not about higher education. This is not what, what about what's best for student athletes. I love that word student athletes. It always gives me a laugh. This (laughs) is about money. This is about money. All right. Let's just call it what it is. Enough with the BS. Everybody's trying to maximize revenue. All right. Um, that, and that's what it is, and, and you know, it's it's it really is sad to see these rivalries go away. You know, exactly. one, one that always comes to mind first is like West Virginia and Pitt. You know, conference realignment ruined that, and 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 you you have they're just adding up now to the point where, you know, eventually what I fear is they're going to start turning people off from college football with all this nonsense, and um, you know, uh, Jay to bring you in here on this again you know what would, what would your thoughts be potentially on some sort of a, a for lack of a better term a merger with the remaining four the mountain west the american do you think that would put us in a better do you think that conference yeah. would be better than the previous version of the american as we saw last
2: year i kind of feel like it would yes i do yeah i do you're talking about bringing in the mountain schools
4: and the remaining four from the pac twelve.
2: If, if that happened, that would be the best thing that could ever happen under the circ- certain circumstance, or under the circumstance we're at now because that's gonna bring in the West Coast time slots. And plus with you know with with what's going on, you're gonna have time slots where you could have, you know potentially the American Conference having a game at noon three thirty seven and ten o'clock if you have West Coast teams, so you're gonna have more visibility for your conference. Exactly. And then you're going to have more power there. So, I mean, that's that's the best case scenario. I mean, my only concern on that is, you know, I don't know what the situation for Oregon State or Washington State. You know, but if you can get those mountain schools, I mean, what whatever you can do to go west, I think is going to be needs to be the play. Is the best thing that could happen.
1: Go west, young man. <laughs> like They say right, even, that
2: even though even though uh, yeah, Matt, I agree 100. percent I mean. This is just—it's pro football in college now. I mean, it's not—it's not student athletes. I mean, these kids aren't aren't going to be able to have kind of a normal <laughs> a normal college life when you're traveling that much, and especially the other sports. No doubt. So, I mean, it's it's turned into a business. I mean, that's that's what it is, and
1: turn I mean turn turned into it. It's always been a business, just even worse now, right, Jake?
2: Yeah. I mean, but when you when you look at it and it kinda of trickles down, you know, high school's turning into more of that. But like there is truly a difference between high school football and college football. And there always oh, has yeah. been. But I mean, you know, really it, big it's time. It just it used to be kind of high school, then college was still kind of in a to a degree <laughs> and then pros pro. But you know, college <laughs> is now pro and high school's turning a little bit more into college. But um, yeah, I mean, and that's another thing we had not talked, you know, a whole lot about. But the high school football season starts in two weeks, so before you know, you plays Michigan and week zero high schools in, in a couple weeks here. And I'm excited about y'all's announcement with the, um, you know, Martin County schools. That's I think that's awesome. That's great, and to be able to cover them. And I'll be doing high school football up in up in the Raleigh area too, and love doing that. And I'll be with our friend Patrick Johnson on Friday Night Rivals doing that. So looking forward to that as well.
1: It's going to be fun. Jay, you're the man. Uh, appreciate you. In fact, Sonny and Semenza coming up uh, very soon, right, Bubba? But, guys? Yeah. Can't wait, Yo,
2: man. I can't wait. Can't, can't wait. I need to be better this year, Matt. I'll be better. My picks were very average last year.
4: <laughs> uh, you, and me, you and me both, man. So, <laughs> hey, if we, if everybody could pick them right, we'd all be very wealthy. Yes. You're right. I mean,
2: so, so you know, but, hey, we'll, I think we'll both be better. No I've really doubt. been studying the the spreads and the lines in the off season. So I feel like I put in my preparation. So I'm ready to go.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, so well, I like it. Th- yeah, thanks, guys. That was great talking with y'all and, and love being part of the show.
1: No doubt. Appreciate I'll see you Jay. on X, uh, AJ, uh, A at J, Sunny91 uh, for him. And I appreciate uh, Jay so much for coming on. Uh, if you want to get in contact with him, obviously you can do it through, I want to say Twitter so much, guys. Uh, let's bring in our next guest. From App State, the play-by-play voice and a great friend of the show, Adam Witten. What's up, dude?
5: Hey, guys. Happy to be with you. We are what? This is only two more Saturdays after today without college football. So I'm, I'm getting more and more excited. Hope you all are doing well.
1: Doing great. By the way, before we get started, I know last Saturday night, I just want to get your take because you're there at the school um, and all of us love uh, Darius Rucker. How was the <laughs> concert? I had a friend there. She said that it was the atmosphere was great. Of course, you know Darius. Is, Darius is going to be great, um, but the fans. She said there was a lot of people there.
5: Yeah, I unfortunately was not able to be there, but I knew a lot of people that went. My my social media feed was just full of pictures and videos of people that that attended the concert. It, it was it was tremendous. It was the first outdoor concert at the stadium that they had since Luke Combs, which was two days after the app ECU game in Charlotte in, in 2021. So it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun from what I could tell. I I'm, I'm more a fan of Darius Rucker back from the Hootie and the blowfish days. Uh okay. More so, more so than a, than a country artist or a, or a solo artist at, at this stage. But it was uh, thankfully they, they actually had to delay the start of the show because of thunderstorms. So they, oh, man. the good thing was that they were able to get the show in. Otherwise that would have been just a total mess, but it was uh, it was an amazing show, from what I could tell. I just uh, I wasn't able to be there myself, but we hope to get more of those types of acts and performances and concerts at our stadium. It's it's really a cool thing that we're able to do outside of football season now. Yeah, no not, doubt. For, not for
2: nothing, you know. Me and Dave are both big into concerts, and I just think the Boone area in general, uh, as pretty as that is, and smart, a, a nice amphitheater somewhere in the mountains there in Boone or Blowing Rock would uh that w- would be perfect. But anyway, I'm um, Adam, I got a quick question for you, but then we will get into breaking down App State football and talk about East Carolina App State. As we're talking about conference realignment and conference expansion, uh, do, you, do you know off the top of your head what the Sunbelt television deal is worth?
5: Um, I, yeah. Was it $4 I, million? Uh, $4 million per school sounds high. Um, I don't believe it's, it's that two, high. It was two and a
3: half. I'd, it? I'd heard two.
5: Yeah. And and that's even higher than I originally thought, but that's that's the reported number that I that I've seen. I, I, I don't know that I don't know all the details of the payouts for the Sunbelt television deal. Now now what I can tell you is that they, the Sunbelt I believe is in really good position when the next round of negotiations comes along. And and there's gonna be a ton of them next year in 2024 that's the year the playoff expands that's the year that some of these tv deals come up and, and some of the new ones will start the new big 10 deal will start in full uh and so yeah that's uh, the Sun Belt. I believe is in really good position because um it's it's got some it's got attractive matchups it's got regionality you know I, I think that you've got passionate fan bases in that league and so I think there's a lot of boxes that the Sun Belt checks stability Yeah, they've got stability. Uh, The fans like the the makeup of the membership. There was just a a survey done in the athletic and Sunbelt fans, I believe 87% were either – Really happy or as happy as they could be four or five out of five in terms of how they felt about the Sunbelt membership. So you've got a lot of things going for that league in terms of the the long term possibilities when it comes to their television arrangement. So but in terms of what it is now, uh, a two, two and a half is the number I've seen per school. I don't know what's actually true there. Um, but, uh, but I do like where they're, where they're set up in terms of when the next round of, of renegotiations comes along.
2: Adam, you guys lost a lot of guys off last year's team. you bought got a lot of guys in from the portal. You got your, you got your old OC back, a lot of changes in Boone. Um, last year, six and six, four those wins were, excuse me, two of those wins were against FCS opponents. Uh, I know some, some, uh, Phil Steele, for example, is, uh, despite, you know, you got being young and. And uh, only four FBS wins last year. Phil still has you guys winning the East Division of the Sun Belt. Um, what did you guys bring in from the portal uh, that, that uh, is going to improve you guys so much? And um, how do you think, um, I guess, you guys are going to be going back more, running the football with the quarterbacks, kind of what you used to do. Just, just, Just talk about the changes from last year to this year and the expectations being so high, at least by some people, despite last year's performance.
5: Yeah, it's it's a good question, Kyle, and it's um, it's it's a combination of things in terms of why Phil Steele and the the coaches in the league think that App is going to have a bounce back year. In the preseason poll, where the coaches vote, JMU was picked to win the East Division, but JMU and App State each had the same number of first place votes. So the coaches in the league also feel like app is going to have a a return to to prominence in in the league this year. So I think there's a lot of reasons. Uh, First and foremost, the um, Sean Clark did a pretty significant overhaul of of the coaching staff. And it's not just the on-field coaches. We brought in a, a new strength and conditioning coach who was part of the staff when Satterfield was in Boone. He was uh, an assistant under Mike Siriano. His name is Matt Greenhall. He has put the guys through an incredible program this offseason. We got our first look at the guys on media day back on Thursday, and we could see just how just the benefits of, of what the work in the offseason has done in the weight room and the conditioning. and um, Guys are, are in peak physical condition going in into the fall. So that was kind of the first step. And then in terms of coaching – Frank Ponce is back after a year at Miami as the offensive coordinator. Scott Sloan, who was a key defensive coach um, during the, the glory days in the Sun Belt, he's back as the defensive coordinator. So you've got familiar faces, guys with a proven track record, guys who understand what it means to coach at, at App State. Um, and then in terms of the makeup of the roster, you know, on, on the offensive side of the ball – you bring in a couple of transfers, uh, one at the running back room, uh, McKeel Haywood from, from Navy, who's a running back. He'll probably end up being like the third or fourth guy, giving more depth to the running back room. Couple of wide receivers to to balance out what's already a really talented core that mostly returns from last year, and then more depth on the offensive line. Offensive line is an area where we've never typically had the depth that we wanted to, uh, but but now we do. And so I don't know that we'll see any of the transfers start on the offensive line, but providing a lot of depth, uh, which which will really help defense. You know, a, a ton of guys returning who were young last year. And so it's not a lot of names that people know, but some of it's transfers, but some of it's guys that are just growing up and, and getting more experience and more attuned with the college game. On the defensive line, the two that stand out are just monsters physically uh, Michael Fletcher from Michigan State, who I believe checks in at like 6'6, 250. Uh, he's just a specimen. And then Sean Collins, a transfer from Rutgers, are the two big transfers on the defensive line. Uh, one guy that we're really excited about is from Richmond. A Really talented corner from Richmond named Tyreek Funderburg, uh, highly sought after by a lot of FBS programs. He'll probably be at one of the starting corner spots. And then uh, you got a couple more transfers in the secondary that'll battle for for some playing time. So coaching staff, strength and conditioning, resetting a lot of things in that in that uh, realm. And then uh, bolstering the lineup with some not just some transfers, uh, but also some guys getting a year under their belt. Um, to to really help this defense. So um, a lot of talent, a lot of lot more depth this year, I believe. And so uh, that's those are a lot of the reasons why coaches and folks like Phil Steele um, feel like App State could could once again challenge for the Sunbelt crown again.
1: Adam, I had a question for you as far as uh, uh, when we were talking about conference realignment. Do you think uh, with a Sunbelt, do they have any um, aspirations or any teams that they could add? Uh, I think uh, you guys are pretty rock solid, but uh, do you guys want to add any more? Have you heard anything on that? Is there an appetite for realignment?
5: It's so the way I understand it, Dave, is it's you're never going to say never. Right. I think you're always going to be open to something that's going to help the league as a whole. But the Sunbelt is in a position where they are comfortable in their own skin. And I think they're super happy with the way that the league is made up currently, because while big power five conferences or, or the big 10 and the big 12 and the sec, they're focused on being more national in scope. The Sun Belt really, really um, created its identity as one based on regional regionality, rivalries, um, and, and, to me, like that's, that's the core of college football, right? That's going back to the roots of what's makes college football so great to me. College football is never meant to be a national sport. Uh, it's a regional sport, um, but it does have national television partners. Right. Right. And so um, I think the Sun Belt's in a really great position. I don't think they're looking around at everything that's happening and say, we've got to do something because everybody that's in the league is happy with the league and the and so if there's an opportunity to make things better and add another regional school that helps to bolster the overall level of play, um, then yeah, I think they'll look at it, but you know, they're certainly not looking beyond their geography to figure out what to do and become a more national conference. I think they know what they are right now and, um, and they're pretty comfortable in, in the, in the shoes that they're in.
1: One, one team that comes to mind in conference USA Liberty, um fits you guys pretty well i'm not trying to say that i don't want to start any rumors or anything about that but uh with their facilities with geographic uh geographically i feel like they're uh they're a team to to watch out if there was a team to go to the sunbelt they're they're one that i would be looking out for if i were in the sunbelt you know like if i had any say see so liberty is one that i would uh, look at strongly
5: yeah i think i think there's a few schools that make sense geographically i mean i think that um Liberty is one that certainly is, is nearby because when you have schools like, like JMU and ODU, I mean, you know, Liberty's not that far away. I, I, I'm, I don't know if, if they're the right fit or not. I'm not here to, to prognosticate on that, but um, there are schools like, I I think, I think back about schools that uh, programs like app have a one double a history with, I mean, that that's what made JMU such a great fit for the league because app and JMU had a history uh, they were one A powers, and now they get to play each other every year as as conference yeah. opponents. Marshall, similar similar situation. You know, Western Kentucky, I think, is a school that kind of fits that mold as well. Yeah. I'm not saying they're on their way to the Sun Belt, but in terms of schools that are out there that you're saying, if they were to add somebody, here are the ones that, that might make sense. Uh, Adam,
2: I, I can tell you that if uh, you may already have heard this, if it wasn't for the television money and the American, the Pirates would be in the Sun Belt
5: love to have it we would we would love i mean look you i mean that's that's we could talk about conference realignment and things like that and apps very happy with its conference schedule but i think as you start looking to what matchups make sense i mean we're going to see this over the next couple of years right when when ecu comes to app it's going to be a sold-out atmosphere. It's going to be an amazing weekend in Boone, and and Pirate fans will probably enjoy spending a weekend in the mountains away from 95 degree heat in early September. And so, and then when App goes to Greenville next year, it's going to be a, it's again, it's going to be sold out. There's going to be fans from both schools in the stadium, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got to look at beyond just conference alignment. We've got to look at creating more of these types of games where we're keeping the money we're keeping the money in the state we're creating games that both fan bases can go to easily the games are always going to be sold out and if enough people care about these matchups i think the television opportunities will follow you know and so you know look i mean some of these national games and these bigger conferences they're gonna be playing in front of half empty stadiums and yes they'll be on tv but I don't know what the appetites going to be from the fan bases to watch some of these games. Some of them will be amazing. You know, when when USC plays Ohio State in the Big Ten, that's going to be a huge deal. But you're not going to get that every week. And so I think programs right. like ECU and App State and and all these and, and even the ACC schools right now, we got to play more of these games and, and just keep Amen. that interest high because – I think that's why the the five of us on here love the sport of college football is for these games. You know, I mean, look, it's if if App goes to play Troy in, in conference play, yes, that's a big game because it's in conference. It doesn't, you know, all due respect to Troy, that game doesn't mean as much to the fans as when App plays ECU because Correct. it's just that that's a that's a huge deal to play those games. Adam, <laughs>
4: unfortunately, Adam, the ACC schools are scared to death, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just see go, North Carolina. Uh, I'm, They've just, all street, I'm just three street. keeping it real. They don't want to play App State. They don't want to play ECU. They sure as hell don't want to go play in Boone or in Greenville um, because they're just scared. And uh, that's the unfortunate thing. But I'll tell you, I have a lot of respect for App State. I've kind of come all the way around on App from 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I was in the camp of I, I really didn't want to play App and this is back in the day, right, my younger years, but didn't want to play App because I didn't want to elevate your program. I really didn't. And I've come to the point now where I have a, such a high level of respect for what App has accomplished. You guys have done it the right way. You've done it. You, you have carved your path on the field and proved yourself. And that's kind of my issue with Charlotte, just getting into the American without having earned it on the field. They just get in because – They're they're lucky to be located in Charlotte, right? And they have the big city, but a lot of respect for what you guys have accomplished over the years. You've done it the right way, and that's why I feel very strongly that this this app ECU rivalry should be continued, and it should be on a regular basis.
1: I would even go as much to say it should be played every year. I mean, yeah,
2: I I, you know what I know I've always played Georgia Southern to close the season, but I, I would you know maybe I might regret it. When it's snow flurry and and, and Boone and, and Thanksgiving weekend, but uh, I I'd love to see this game be rivalry weekend. Yeah, yep.
5: you you know guys, I, I think the thing with with App and I think this is what this is what I like so much about their approach. And and Doug Gillen, he had a roundtable with members of the media, our our athletics director a couple of days ago, and the thing that the thing that App is is trying to do is we're not trying to be. Clemson we're not trying to be a national power we know that you can you can shuffle the deck as much as you want right now in college football there's still going to be what seven or eight teams in the country that probably can win a national championship that's not going to change very often no matter how you no much how much how much money you pour into it from television and so I app is apps goals are to be the best in its conference in the Sunbelt conference and to win and to, to play in games in the state of North Carolina and be the best program in the state. That's what they're going for. And they want to be, they want to be competitive with any school in the state and, and almost any school in the region with the exception of the, the Georgia's and even the Clemson's and things like that. We know what we are, but we also know what we're not. We're very self-aware of the program that that we are and that we strive to be, and I think that's that's the thing that has helped them over the years because you're 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 trying to reach a manageable goal as a program. And so, you know, for for any of you guys or any ECU fans that'll make their first trip to Boone um, in September, they'll see that our facilities are fantastic, our stadium is beautiful, and the atmosphere is as good as 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 you can find. And so, but we know that like, we're not trying to get to a 60, 70,000 seat stadium. Our max is probably 40. If, if we, if uh, at the end of the day, when all, when renovations and expansion, uh, maybe continues to grow in that stadium. So it, again, it's, it's, it's no, it's very similar to the, to, to the Sun Belt being comfortable in your own skin and, and being very self-aware of, of what, what you what you're, uh, what your ceiling is app ceiling is very high and uh, but but we're not going to you know just chase chase a ton of money um, or or pour th- pour money into things that are ultimately never going to help us to get to maybe a national championship level program now if the playoff expands the way we think who knows what's going to happen with the playoff with with uh, with all this realignment but if the playoff continues to expand the way that we think with going to 12, App could legitimately be a playoff team, and, and that's that's a realistic goal. And so I think, you know, I, I think that's the thing that I like about what App is doing and I think where it can be on par with, with other programs in this state. And I'm like you guys. If if we had an annual East versus West in North Carolina matchup against the Pirates, I think our, our fans would certainly eat that up, and I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah,
2: you said the nail on the head at the end of that, what I always think about when I think of the Sun Belt. And when I ponder, would it be worth the money off to leave the American to go to the Sunbelt? Sometimes you just need things to be fun. And by God, if playing App State, Marshall, and Southern Miss, two schools in Marshall and Southern Miss, we have long histories with App State immediately is going to create a rivalry. JMU, rivalry. Old Dominion, you can create a rivalry. Coastal Carolina, you can create a rivalry. You know, guys like Bubba would be going to games every weekend because he'd travel everywhere because it'd all be drivable. It, you know, the conference just seems like it's so much fun, and that's why you know, despite the American having better TV and more money, I'm envious of the fun that the Sun Belt seems like it is.
5: Yeah the the the, Ameri- the thing about it is th- this could all change in in a couple of years, and that that's what I that's what I go back to when I say you know chasing chasing the the money, chasing the dollars, you know, I think Oregon and Washington and Arizona and Utah and Arizona state, you know they probably feel good about the decision they're making um but who knows if if it's all about money, who knows what this could turn into in in five to ten years? you know i think if if you have w- with with the foundation that the Sun Belt has with these teams and these matchups and this geography being able to drive to to all these games. You know, I, I think that, you know, who knows the way the TV money could balance out or the revenue could balance out over the next five years or so. So yeah, there, there's a financial disadvantage currently, um, but that could that could very easily change. I was having a conversation with a, a buddy of mine a couple weekends ago, and he was talking about with next year's schedule for App, he said, you know, there's a legitimate chance I could go to all 12 games. I go to all 12 games that App plays next year and maybe have to look at a flight for one of them depending on who the West division opponent is Uh, because app plays Clemson on the road and they've got a couple of home games and then a, and then a road game at at ECU next year. And so uh, he could, he could go to all 12 games. That's so cool to say as a fan, you know, and that's, that's what I love about this league.
3: Adam, we have a comment from one of our viewers here on Facebook, Monica Keith, and she chimes in saying, build it and they will come ESPN. College game day knew that app state was special.
5: Yeah, it's uh and and they they realized it. It was probably it's gonna be a place that they'll always remember um when uh when they showed up. And yeah, it's uh it's it's the same thing we say when it comes to recruiting or even somebody who's looking just to go to school for something other than athletics. We always say if you can get them up the mountain, then you've then you've got them hooked. Um people think oh, you know, that's it's in the middle of the mountains, middle of nowhere. Uh, it's it's not easy to get to. You're you're a couple hours away from any major airport, and so yeah, there's a lot of reasons you could say why you 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 can't make it to Boone, and certainly college game day has had it on the list, but it's never happened until last year. But just like those folks experience when when we talk, it's same with student athletes or pr- prospective students. We say once you get them there then they realize why, why it's special. And, and we can't wait to, to showcase our, our town, our scenery, our stadium, our atmosphere to, to the, the, the fine folks from ECU that may be experiencing it for the first time.
3: A few minutes ago, Adam, you mentioned uh, the Mountaineers had their annual media day here just a couple of days ago. And Coach Clark, not surprisingly, was asked about that matchup with East Carolina and loved what he had to say uh, so much so that I created a short and put it on our YouTube channel but um, kind of shifting back to that matchup specifically on the field, uh, when the Pirates and Mountaineers square off on September 16th at Kid Brewer, each team will have a quarterback that has only started a couple of games. East Carolina, it will either be Mason Garcia, um, most people think, or or potentially Alex Flynn. Um, tell us about the situation with the Mountaineers. I know Ryan Berger was leading coming out of spring practice.
5: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I, Bubba, I think last time I was on with you guys, I, I mentioned this this that, um, app is going into a season for the first time really since like 2014. Not really sure who their starting quarterback's going to be, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a two player race for for the most part. It's Ryan Berger, a redshirt freshman from from Myrtle Beach, and it's Joey Aguilar, um, who's a JUCO transfer from out in California and um they're they're both very talented they but they're they're different they're different styles ryan is uh ryan's a dual threat quarterback he's uh not as tall as joey um, but he's, he's got a strong arm. He's put on about 20 to 25 pounds of muscle since he got on campus. Um, so he fills out the uniform a lot better than when he came in as a, as a true freshman last year. So, um, but the, the thing with him is, is experience, right? He's, he came in and some mop up duty last year while preserving his red shirt, but he's never started a game. You know, he's never been the guy. And uh, the the thing you always wonder about is how will they react? How can they command the offense when they're out there on the field and everybody's looking to you to set the tone for the way that that you're going to play? Joey has never started at the FBS level, but he was a starting quarterback at at JUCO. Uh, Taller kid, stronger arm. Maybe not as fast, uh, but a really, really calm demeanor, really chill. You know, stereotypical <laughs> California key, even though he's from NorCal and not SoCal. Um, so those two guys are neck and neck. I think I do think coming out of spring, Ryan had the edge. Um, so Ryan is is probably number one if you were to have to give it to somebody right now. But there's a long way to go until that season opener against Gardner Webb. And so, um, you know, the good thing is that even with all the coaching changes. Frank Ponce coming back as the offensive coordinator. I think the really cool thing about the quarterback position at app is for the first time in a long time, uh, really since Scott Satterfield left, you have a quarterback that was actually recruited by his quarterback coach and offensive coordinator because Frank Ponce, when he was here in 2021, recruited Ryan as, as a part of that recruiting class. So even though Frank wasn't here last year for his true freshman year, Frank recruited him, knew he loved him. He he said, This is the kind of guy that'll that'll be great here at App. And now you have OC and quarterback that actually were part of the recruiting process together uh combined for for this app state offense, which is something we haven't had in a while. And so uh yeah, we're we're fascinated, just like you guys are, to see how it plays out of our fall camp. Um, but certainly we've got two capable guys, and it's just trying to see who's gonna take that first snap at this point. <laughs>
1: It's very exciting. Looking forward to a great season. In fact, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm just curious to see Adam as far as our game uh, coming up on September the 16th. I'm curious to see the secondary market. That's one of my hobbies. I like to see like prices and man, those tickets could easily go for a few hundred dollars a piece, I would think.
5: I think so the uh, the retail value face value of those is $130 and so um you know this is going to be very similar to the UNC game last year we're we're bringing in temporary seats in the north end zone just like we did for the UNC game uh to where we could get potentially upwards of 40,000 people in the stadium uh some of those UNC tickets were 2 300 dollars on the secondary market I would not expect anything different because um this this game is is uh, just as popular with ECU's first trip to Boone since the late '70s. Um, yep. So it's it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. And you're right; uh, one of the, it's going to be one of the toughest tickets in week in in that particular week of college football. We we can't wait. Well, I'm going to make
2: a bold prediction about this game. On uh, and I said it before, uh, Adam. Uh, when, when, after the game, uh, look at those ESPN Plus numbers when when they come out. I got a feeling this East Carolina abstract State game is going to be one of the most watched games in terms of college football on ESPN plus for an ESPN plus exclusive since the creation of the format.
5: I have no reason to say that, that you're going to be wrong, Kyle. Um, I think this, and, and I think these are the types of things that are going to be interesting to watch over the course of the next few years in college football is as more, more of the, the, uh, the interest in what happens with with media rights goes more and more towards streaming. Um, it's not necessarily not, it's not going to be as yeah. much about markets. It's going to be about who's actually subscribing and watching, right? Um, you Bingo, Adam, to I've people. said
2: it a hundred times.
5: Yeah, it, it, and we're not there yet, but we're getting closer to the point where you need to actually have data of audience and not just how many people you can potentially reach by being in a market and so yeah app and ecu is going to draw a lot more um eyeballs and and potential subscribers to espn plus and and whatever streaming platform is out there on the horizon um that's going to be uh that's going to be the the measurement to watch over the next five to ten years in college football and These matchups will uh, will certainly bring a a, a lot of attention, at least regionally, and amongst these two fan bases.
1: You know, Adamus, I'm
4: going to put you on the spot, my friend. I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's have a little fun. Let's have a little fun with our fan bases here. Any, (laughs) I'd like to hear your prediction for the game. What's the score going to be? Who's going to win?
5: Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I can't. I can't. First of all, I can't sit here in good conscience and say that app is not going to win. Right. right. <laughs> absolutely.
4: I, absolutely. You can't do that. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Um,
5: I, I will. I will make a prediction on what type of game we will see. I, I feel like apps, hopefully by week three in the season, the quarterback, whether it's Ryan or Joey, will be comfortable enough. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of points in this one. I don't know that it'll be 63-61 like the UNC game last year, wow, but yeah. I would I would be surprised if this game wasn't at least played in the 30s because I think both of these offenses are going to have so many playmakers, so much speed and talent that I, I do think we're going to see a very entertaining, high-scoring type of game. I think the winning team will probably end up in the 40s and the losing team probably still gets at least in the 30s. That's the type of game I expect to see. Fire right, so planted on a block, Phil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Adam. Uh, how can people reach you? I know on X. I'm having to use to say that. Uh, X, at Adam yeah. B. Witten. I see that on the screen for people watching live or archive. And uh, how else can people listen to you, your great work, my friend?
5: Yeah. So uh, yeah, on on X, formerly Twitter, uh, yeah. Adam B. Witten. Um, and uh, as far as our broadcasts, you can. Uh, we 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 have. Um, If if you're in the area of of Boone or the foothills or anywhere near the western part of the state, you can catch us on our flagship station 97.3 FM out of Wilkesboro. Um, If you're uh, more toward the eastern part of the state where we don't where you guys are, where we don't have uh, full time radio coverage, um, you can find us at appstatesports.com or we have the varsity network app. Um, that you can hear all of our live broadcasts for free. So, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, guys. I, I, am man, I, this game specifically, I know we each got to play a couple of games before that, but, and we got to go to Chapel Hill before we, before we welcome you guys to Boone. So, uh, but man, it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't out of here.
2: curiosity, I know we wrap this up, and I, but I had one more thing I wanted to ask you because yeah. you made me think of it. What is the furthest point east you guys have a network affiliate?
5: Um, Probably Raleigh yeah um okay. we we don't we have uh, some part-time coverage in Raleigh uh, but most of our uh most of our radio coverage is focused more in the western part of the state or even in in the central area of the triad we do have affiliate we have an affiliate in Charlotte but in terms of East um we did get a little bit of coverage out of Raleigh uh but really nothing nothing full-time east of there that that's more you're gonna have to find it on a on a streaming platform got gotcha.
3: And Adam, uh, finally, um pirate fans making the trip, sure, there'll be plenty. they'll be tailgating with app State friends or some may already have their uh, their plans and have been to the venue before. but for those who have not been to, to Kid Brewer and, and know that parking is at such a premium, you know what what would your recommendations be in a, you know besides the obvious of getting there very early?
5: Yeah, um, we, we tell people for big games like this or really any home game, uh, come early, stay late and be patient. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're if you're thinking that if it's, you know, it's a three thirty game, if you're thinking you can roll up in there at two thirty three o'clock and, and not, you know, have to really take some time to figure out where you're going to park and get in the stadium, you, you there's a good chance you could miss kickoff. So get there early. And I think a lot of pirate fans will be okay with that because y'all know how to tailgate. So, um, I, uh, that, that would be my recommendation. Now parking is even more at a premium this year because of some construction on campus than it normally is. And so, uh, you might be looking at some park and ride type of situations when it comes to, to getting into the stadium. Um, you can park a little further away and have to walk, you know, maybe a, a mile or so to get to the stadium, uh, there are some paid lots in town uh, for from local businesses that you can try. But, yeah, I, I just I can't stress enough. Get there early. And, and look, we've got a stretch in downtown King Street where there's some great shopping, great places to eat, walking distance from the stadium. So, you know, come on up. And even if you don't want to tailgate, come on up in the late morning, a little before lunchtime. Find a good place to park. Walk around, eat lunch, do some shopping, you know, do do some fun stuff, and uh, and then just walk over to the game from 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 our downtown stretch in, on King Street. So, that's probably the best way to do it, so that you're not stressing to get into the stadium on time.
2: Adam is a great place. You'll know the name of it, hopefully. Uh, it's a sandwich shop. They do burgers, sandwiches. They have some pasta dishes downtown. is a sports bar, and on certain nights they do um, cinnamon rolls. You know what I'm talking about? It's delicious.
5: Are you talking about McAdoo's? Yep, that's it. Yeah, yeah. McAdoo's yeah. was a staple of mine when I was in school. Yeah, you can. That's one of those places on King Street where you can go and eat. They have those tremendous desserts. Um, and you can walk to the stadium from there. So, yeah, certainly a, a great spot uh, downtown as well.
1: All right. Uh, one of my favorite places my freshman year. I went to Lee's McRae. So, great, uh, great place. Love Boone very much. Adam, thanks for being a friend of the show. Look forward to talking to you again uh, the week of our game. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the rest of your time here before. I know we have fall camp, but uh, the next few weeks, is going to be a lot of fun before football.
5: Yeah. Enjoyed it, guys. Anytime. Y'all have a great rest of the show and enjoy your weekend and see you up in Boone soon.
1: All right, man. Take care. Enjoy your weekend. I appreciate Adam very much. And another one of our great friends who's been with us, he's put up with me for about 12 years now. Uh, and has a brand new show. We're very excited about David Glenn. What's up, bro? How you doing? I'm doing
6: great, Dave. Good to be with you and Bubba and Kyle and Matt. Sounds like a fun show you have rolling.
1: Uh, we yeah, do. And, uh, doing it. You know, I reached out, to, reached out to you because I thought you were going to be on your July sabbatical. And lo and behold, I had no idea you had a new venture. Very excited. Before we get started diving into football and talking about everything and anything uh, in between, including life. Talk about uh, your new show. I'm very happy for you. Very excited as a fan of yours and your work to have you back.
6: Yeah, thanks, Dave. And thanks to all you guys, really. I don't know if y'all picked up on this over our many visits in recent years, but y'all are among the only people that I have hinted to about a half a dozen times <laughs> that I might have a new venture cooking up. But I just, I just, for various reasons, couldn't announce anything on our previous visits. But the bottom line is, I think this is my fifth startup. And I'm getting too old for such things. So this is going to be my last startup. Uh, But it's called the North Carolina Sports Network. We have an up and running website as we speak at ncsportsnetwork.com. We have both video and audio versions of the David Glenn Show. So on a YouTube channel, but also podcast format. I do a lot of writing at the website. So YouTube, podcast, website. We also have a statewide traveling tailgate tour that we're going to have a lot of fun with, including by the way, the ECU trip to app state, of course, how could we leave that game off? Uh, So that'll be one of our, I think, 18 stops from, from, from mid August to mid December. Um, And of course I love coming to Greenville. I love chatting with you guys, but uh, yes, this is what I was hinting at. And we all, we already have about 10 sponsors, which in 30 days is about a miracle in the sports media universe. So, uh, We're off to a great start, having a lot of fun, and we hope folks will check out. If you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, that does me a big favor. Um, Just look for North Carolina Sports Network. Uh, But, of course, the Grand Central Station is on Twitter at David Glenshow and online ncsportsnetwork.com.
3: Yeah, David, in just over a month, uh, as you mentioned, that 30 days and the number of sponsors you've been able to accrue, Um, I noticed that you already have surpassed 500 subscribers on YouTube.
6: Yeah, I was excited about that. And, you know, we, I just, you guys, some of the other things I've shared with you over the years, as much as I love sports media, right. All of us consider ourselves blessed full-time part-time in between. If you get paid to talk and write about sports for a living, you you know, you're winning the game of life, uh, at least on the professional side of things. So, what I said to all my potential partners was I didn't want to just do things I had done in the past, right? I'm the guy who created the ACC sports journal magazine and then accsports.com a long, long time ago. Those were two of my startups and they both really succeeded for a long time. I sold those years ago, but I wanted something that was more 21st century, you know, in my visits with you guys, I can see you, I can hear you. You have sponsors, you have um, a wide and diverse audience. Um, and just there's that face to face element, obviously, the audio element. Obviously, you guys are knowledgeable about your areas of expertise, and I find that compelling whether I'm a guest or a host. So, uh, the, the 500 plus YouTube channel subscribers was basically in like two weeks. So, you know, all the folks who had asked me, What can we do to help bring you back, DG? Well, there's I said, There's two things basically. One is if you own or run a business, be one of my sponsors. Because without an economic model, you just can't do anything on a large platform the way I was hoping to do. Or two, you know, in today's world, if you just share part of your time, whether you're reading my articles, subscribing to my YouTube channel, watching those videos or listening to those podcasts, you're you're supporting me and bringing me back into sports media. I never fully left, as you guys know. I still did radio and podcast shows literally every day during the pandemic and afterwards. So I never fully left. But this brings me, you know, 80 percent back in, whereas sports media had probably dropped to, you know, one third of what I was doing, at least for a while. So I'm excited about the start. I love the fact that we have the face to face tailgate tour part. Um, But, yeah, it's it's the YouTube angle is a little different for me. Yet you actually have to care. Whether you brushed your teeth and brushed your hair, you, know, you have to care what you're wearing when you're on video. And, and, and in radio, I never really had to think about those things at least 90% of the time. So we're having fun with the multi-platform nature of it all. We've got, you know, Rod Brindamore of the Hurricanes, Julius Peppers, the former Panther and Carolina guy, Governor Roy Cooper is going to be on to talk sports. You know, Wolfpack legend Chris Corciani has already joined us. National Sportscaster of the Year, Ian Eagle has joined us. So it's not only the folks who subscribed, which, of course, I appreciate, and all the sponsors without whom this whole thing would not exist. And that's not an exaggeration. It's guests responding. And, you know, Coach K is going to join me, I think, in 10, 12 days or so. So, you know, the legends whose doors I've been knocking on have overwhelmingly said yes to be at least a guest on my new venture. And, um, you know, you just can't ask for more than that.
4: DG, congrats on your new venture. Sounds awesome. I have no doubts. You know, with you behind it, it's going to be very successful. So, uh, I Thank guess you. I'd say welcome back, right? <laughs> I mean uh, But uh, I'm sure you, you know, it's going to be uh, very successful for you. I'll certainly tune in. I know all the guys will as well. Thank um, you, DG. So, you know, I can't get into the college football discussion with you without first jumping into the news of yesterday, all this expansion craziness. What are your thoughts on what, down went, uh, what went down yesterday, uh, obviously starting with Washington and Oregon to the Big Ten?
6: Yeah, I think in our earlier, and, and really this is a multi-year discussion I've had with you guys, when folks would ask panicky questions about the a- ACC, I would say those are fair questions. But keep in mind, the Pac-12 is the most vulnerable. Of what some people call the power five leagues so there's now really three tiers it's the big 10 and the sec making the most money and guess what teams keep flocking to those two leagues in large numbers right but tier two is now only two leagues acc and big 12 and really pac-12 had fallen to big to tier three financially their pac-12 network was a disaster that never got a lot of distribution the way the Big Ten network did and the ACC network took a long time, but eventually did, and the SEC network did very quickly. So, and frankly, there's less interest in college football in Pac 12 country. You know, you guys were talking about, uh, I was listening in when you were with Adam, talking about just TV audiences. Well, guess what? The biggest TV audiences in college football overwhelmingly are Big Ten games and SEC games. And obviously, if you have interconference games, some of those big matchups draw big numbers as well. But on average, Big Ten and SEC draw the most TV eyeballs in football. And the Pac-12 was a distant fifth in that category. At least the ACC has, you know, Florida State and Clemson and Miami as big brand names, and even that part-time relationship with Notre Dame, another big brand name where it's not my opinion when I say brand name, there are just sheer numbers proving that those brands that I mentioned draw larger audiences than even many other power five schools. So it doesn't surprise me even a little bit, Matt, that the PAC 12 is essentially dead. They might call it that, but there's no more power five. We are down to a power four. And I know some people hate that term, but the reality is there's two at the top, two more kind of the one B tier, And then there's everybody else not making a whole lot of money, relatively speaking. The ACC is in a vulnerable position. You guys have been hearing about Florida State's public officials making really antagonistic public statements. I can tell you all this. Clemson is as unhappy with the ACC falling behind financially as Florida State is. The difference is the Seminoles just keep screaming it out loud and getting all these headlines. Clemson is just as unhappy. Nobody – you know, everybody will say we can be ten million dollars a year. That's this in, the, in terms of this check that each headquarters signs to their member schools once a year, their share of the shared TV revenue and some other shared revenue. You can be ten million a year behind your fellow SEC school or your fellow Big Ten school, but that is in the process of growing to thirty to forty million a year. So, whereas you know Alabama is getting that, not yet, but. Five years, six years down the road, Alabama is going to be getting a check from the SEC office worth $90 million a year or more. At that point, the ACC schools are going to be getting checks from their office, growing each year, but not growing as quickly, of 50000000 million-ish or so. Well, it's hard to win under any circumstances, but it gets harder to win if the teams you're trying to beat in other major conferences are getting checks 30 to 40 million from their headquarters more than what you're getting from your headquarters. So Florida state and, and Clemson and even Miami and others are, are restless. But the reason the ACC hasn't fallen apart yet is stuff we've discussed 120 million plus exit fee, plus a grant of rights that is hard to explain in a short number of words, but basically you're leaving your media rights behind all the way through the year 2036. So what conference wants to bring you aboard, unless you wiggle out of that grant of rights somehow legally, which I don't see a way, even as a contract attorney myself, if you wiggle out of that, well, then you become an appealing candidate to the Big Ten or the SEC. As long as you're stuck, your media rights value is stuck in the ACC for the next 12 years, even if you leave, that makes you a much less appealing candidate to the SEC or the Big Ten. And those schools, those leagues are not going to invite the Tigers or the Seminoles if they don't have clarity – on the legal aspect of the grant of rights, so you know the Big Twelve is now what sixteen. They're they're adding some and losing some. The the Big Ten just added Oregon and Washington, two schools that they've been studying for over a year. This didn't just happen in the blink of an eye. Those university presidents and their teams have been vetting Oregon and Washington in great detail for twelve months. And so, and of course, the, the big the SEC is in the process adding to Texas and Oklahoma to get to sixteen. So you got, what, 18, 16, 16, and then the ACC has 14 plus Notre Dame. Um, that's the state of things. I don't think the Big 12 is going to move any more than it already has. And it's, it comes down to really the next thing we're all watching is whether the ACC can hold itself together, which with only a couple of exceptions, it's done a pretty good job of over the 70-plus years. of existence.
2: D.J., one thing we're watching is what are the remaining Pac-12 schools going to do? Are they going to? You just said you don't think the Pac-12 is going to invite – or the Big 12 is going to invite anymore. Uh, would the Big 10 reach out to Stanford and Cal? You know, if those four are left, I, I don't think they really have any leverage to keep the Pac-12 together and poach from the Mountain West and the American. Do you see –
6: I agree you with see, you. Uh,
2: do you see yeah, I think the bottom are, line – Go ahead. Okay, do you I, see those four going to the Mountain West? I, I said here ESPN supposedly is a little worried about their lack of West Coast conduct. Uh, conduct – content and um they have the contract with the american eye you know
6: it's a it's a good question you uh, know here's what i think will happen uh, just the attorney the attorney kyle's breaking uh, up on me a little bit so i hope i'm not breaking up as well but uh the attorney in me says that the pac-12 is probably going to keep its name in other words if those four remaining pac-12 schools end up merging with the Mountain West, which is, I think, the most likely scenario. They're going to keep the Pac-12 name because contractually the Pac-12 still gets a certain uh, amount of money from the college football playoff every year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they'd play the name game. Uh, it'll really be the Mountain West plus four, but they might use the Pac-12 name because of those legal reasons. Um, the other possibility is that you know, the Big Ten has looked at Stanford and Cal. Uh, they don't seem excited to add those two brands. Stanford is an amazing you know, multi-sport university. Yeah. They win that all-sport contest almost every year. It's incredible. But they're really not a dominant football brand. And as you guys know, you can be good at a lot of other things. Basically, 80 percent of the TV money these days is football related, 19 percent men's basketball and one percent everything else combined. So Stanford's great at all those other sports, but, you know, they just don't draw the TV eyeballs the way Oregon and Washington actually do draw a lot of TV eyeballs. And it's gotten to the point, guys, after these dominoes continue to fall, there are really only three schools left. That, I, that are not already in the Big Ten or the SEC that draw consistently enormous t- football audiences. One is, one is Notre Dame, still an independent, and the next two are Florida State and Clemson. So that's why everybody's got their eyes on the Tigers and the Seven They are very valuable football TV property. And for now, the ACC's managed to hold on to them. Uh, again, it is – it would cost more, unless you wiggle out of the grant of rights, it would cost Clemson or Florida State more than half a billion dollars each to try to leave. That's a lot of money. That's more than $500 million. So that's why the lawyers are working overtime right now at Clemson and Florida State because they don't want to pay that exit fee. It, 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 and remember, they, they. they can't tell their new conference that they can sell their Home football games or basketball games for the next twelve years, unless right. they figure out a way out of the grant of rights, which I don't think and, they will anytime soon.
1: DG, they were there's uh, articles I read, and you're the lawyer, so that's what I was trying to figure out. That said, that lawyers are trying to work out a deal where they would give uh, forty million a year for ten years. They would give four hundred million dollars. Uh, is that something you could see? I know the grant of rights, but if my thing is if they allow that then pretty much uh, all the rest of the schools could be poached in, for SEC or Big Ten, right?
6: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the ACC opens the door to those kinds of negotiations. W- what's interesting to me is I can see Florida State's motive to leave. I can see Clemson's motive to leave. I can see why they would run that possibility up the flagpole. Hey, if we contractually owe you more than $500 million, how about we negotiate that, that down a little bit? And as you said, Dave, we'll pay you forty million over ten years. It's not the full five hundred plus, but let's just make this thing happen. Is that a possible discussion? Of course it is. But uh, one issue is: is the new conference for Clemson and Florida State really going to offer them a full share? In other words, if the right. motive for Clemson and Florida State to leave is these bigger checks—thirty to forty million large, dollars larger per year but those new leagues can't, can't sell their home games, the, the, the ESPN folks are not going to tell the SEC, oh, we'll pay you a lot more million if you can lure Florida State and Clemson. Why? ESPN already owns the rights to Clemson and Florida State football games, and they're paying a discounted rate for them. Why would right. they tell the SEC, oh, yeah, we'll pay you a ton? Like, we already own those rights, and we got them at a discount. We're not helping you that way. It doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, there's all sorts of those possible side doors. Anytime two parties want to come to, you know, just because it says you owe us $500 plus doesn't mean you can't negotiate terms for an earlier exit. But does the SEC, does the ACC want to lose its two biggest and best football brands? Um, Probably not, because then it starts to look more like the Big 12. And right now, I would argue the ACC is still the third best conference in America, right. football-wise and financially. They don't want to lose that kind of marquee aspect, even as they totally understand and accept that they are way behind the Big Ten and the SEC in, in financial ways for sure, and when it comes to the SEC in football ways as well.
1: I didn't know if Matt was going to chime in, but DG, as far as um, if you're in East Carolina. Uh, do you have any hope to get in another league? I know there are Pirate fans that were saying about, this is before all this went down yesterday. Uh, we know the Pac-12, because there was like six American schools that applied for the Pac-12. But uh, I think now you're better off staying in an the American, and hopefully there's some kind of merger or there you can add some schools. Um, you know, best case probably in Oregon State and in Washington uh, State um, and some other maybe Mountain West schools to have a Super League.
6: I would listen if I was ECU for sure. Right. I mean, if if the Mountain West finds out that it can upgrade its TV contract with the additions of those, you know, whatever they call themselves, PAC 12, Mountain West or whatever. Um, and if they want to try to take that nationwide approach where you're telling your TV partners, Hey, we have these Eastern schools that can play at whatever o'clock. And then we have these Western schools that you can, that can fill your eight or nine or 10 PM slots uh, meaning East Coast time, that could be appealing, um, but I, I don't know. I don't think we're going to see. I think all eyes are on Clemson and Florida State. I, we get. We always get back to the question: What school can add more to a league than they take out as another mouth to feed? Well, when we had these conversations three years ago, we always said Texas and Oklahoma. Could certainly offer somebody something. And guess what? They're on their way to the SEC. And we right. might have said three years ago, you know, Southern Cal and UCLA are pretty big brands in a pretty big market. Maybe they could offer somebody something. Sure enough, they're on their way to the Big Ten. And, and the, the other most powerful football TV audience drivers are, include schools like Washington and Oregon, uh, who are now on their way to the Big Ten. I mean, a lot of this is predictable. The, the, there are not that many schools left that can add more to one of those bigger leagues than they can take away. Uh, I haven't looked closely at the math when it comes to the Mountain West or new formed Pac-12 trying to be a bi-coastal league, but everything's on the table right now. Um, In the meantime, I, I just, as a North Carolinian and the proud father of an ECU graduate, I would love to see the Pirates under Mike Houston to take control of a conference that is not as difficult given the departures to the big 12. I'm not saying it's easy and I know he's lost a lot of talent, but that guy has a heck of a track record. The competition is absolutely not as tough as it was. And to me that leaves the door open for ECU to put up winning records, um, keep filling that stadium at Dowdy Ficklin. The more you do those things, the more people watch and the more people watch the more compelling you become as an expansion candidate to land somewhere else. If that's what you want.
1: Yeah. Is there any hope? Uh, I know pirate fans, one of the, it's not me. So <laughs> uh, because I don't ever see it happening, um, but stranger things have happened. Is there any possibility the pirates to the ACC, are ACC guy? Um, people ask me that all the time and I don't think there's any interest.
6: No, there's not. I mean, everything, all that stuff is on the back burner because the Florida state and Clemson situation has to resolve one way or the other, right? If we're having this conversation in the aftermath of some shocking announcement that Florida state and Clemson are leaving, then all conversations are back on the table. But in the interim, you know, one thing to keep in mind as, although geography does not matter as one, as much as it once did, you know, it, it does get back to just who's watching. There are some financial aspects of, geography meaning for example why would the Big Ten be interested in those West Coast teams well in part because the Big Ten network gets nickels and pennies in states where it is carried that do not have a Big Ten school they get much more money and this is the same with the SEC network and the ACC network they get much more money from their customers in states that do have a Big Ten school well guess what? When you add Southern Cal and UCLA, you just added a whole state with a lot of pay TV subscribers that now are paying you I don't know this exact number but 20 times for the Big 10 network than the pennies and nickels that they were paying for the Big 10 network when they didn't have a Big 10 school. Now you have Washington and state and you have Oregon as well, Washington meaning the state of Washington, not Washington State University. So schools like App State and ECU are celebrated by the ACC people that I know for their outstanding football cultures, but there's just no way that they add more to the financial bottom line of the ACC than they would take away as one more mouth to feed. Their, their TV audiences are just nowhere in the same neighborhood of uh, all but maybe a couple of ACC schools.
1: What about the uh, – as far as the streaming aspect uh, when Pirate fans – when you always hear about markets, um, Mike Oresko went markets instead of the Sun Belt like we talk all about it. You know, is that um, something with the Pirate – as you know, uh, how many Pirate fans are in North Carolina that um, – I wonder how many eyeballs are actually watching like streaming-wise versus the over-the-air.
6: Yeah, they have numbers on that. I mean, they don't make all those numbers public. But I'll tell you this, a lot of times when two in-state teams play each other and we think the world is watching, it usually does not work out that way. We care a lot and a lot of North Carolinians are watching, but how many people care in the other 49 states? When ECU goes to App State, I'm going to be excited. You guys are going to be excited. Heck, I've got one ECU grad and one about to be an right. App State grad. Those are my two <laughs> children. I only have two. So that, you, this is truly a family affair for the Glenn household. But you might be surprised. I believe the last time ECU and App State played each other, it was not a huge TV audience. It, it was under 300,000, um, which, you know, the, the well, was better thing is million, million, million. Uh, sometimes up to 10, 15 <laughs> million for the really big games. So – you know it it can be confusing because just because it's a big, big, big moment here. same thing by the way, with like Duke and Carolina in football. There are ACC football games that get five, seven, eight, ten million people watching. Duke and Carolina playing each other doesn't even get a million. And it's you know, they're not at they're not good as often in football, obviously as they are in basketball, but it's also forty nine states worth of people just are not all that enam- enamored with Duke Carolina in football the way they would be in men's basketball. And again, as much as I love state, uh, app state and ECU, you know, those in-state numbers will be really nice, but the numbers in the other 49 States are not going to really move the needle.
1: No question. Can you about guys it.
2: hear me Dave?
1: Yeah, I can hear you now.
2: Okay. I,
6: I was cutting just in breaking
1: up. Was, some, yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I, uh, Williamston cell phone area sucks. Um, I, uh, <laughs> No, I, I was listening to what uh, what DG was saying about the streaming numbers and all. Uh, you know, it may be so for the App State East Carolina game in particular. But one thing I'll say going forward, and Adam wouldn't picked it out. You know, you, you got a lot of schools that really, you know, are are in places, uh, particularly, uh, you know, some American schools, for example, and um, or, or Cincinnati. I'll use Cincinnati for an example that got in the Big Twelve. You know granted for what they dealt on the football field, but also because of their media market. I would argue when you look at actual streaming eyeballs, that East Carolina has more people watching their football games than Cincinnati, except when they're competing at a very high level nationally, which they have been recently. I think because of conference change and coaches' changes, that's going to about to change.
6: It, well, the, the, the thing is TV executives have access to those numbers. So they would know, for example, you know, how many – games did Cincinnati play in front of a million or more TV viewers over the last five to seven years? How many games did ECU play in front of a million or more TV viewers over the last whatever, two, five, seven, ten 10 years? They have access to those numbers. So if your theory is right, ECU is in a better position. I'd be willing to bet that Cincinnati played in front of more, more one million TV audiences Sure they did, because
2: they've been very good recently. And they right. also look at the potential of TV markets, and Nielsen ratings are BS. They're, they're not accurate, whereas streaming ratings are 100% accurate. And, and that's what I'm saying. As it goes to all streaming, East Carolina has a fan base. Um, Cincinnati has a fan base that is predicated on them winning. And I, that, that's where I think when it eventually goes to all streaming, and it eventually will, that's where I think some of this will all flush out where these media markets aren't near as important.
6: Well, you're right. The streaming numbers are a lot more accurate. Uh, But in the meantime, these people are making decisions based on the numbers that they do have. And the last time ECU played App State head to head, they didn't get 250,000 people to watch. I mean, that, that's not what anybody wants to hear in a world where there's millions of viewers for other games. You know, I mentioned the Duke Carolina example as well. It's the facts are the facts until these more accurate streaming numbers change those realities. And if those more accurate streaming numbers show that ECU has a more consistently uh, strong TV uh, ability to draw huge TV audiences, well, then the narrative will change in the Pirates' favor. But on the current data, it's just not going to happen.
1: And it also comes down to the w- the old fashioned: we got to win more games. Yeah,
6: you got to win. Over time, that's the more you win, what? the more people watch. Of course. I mean, that's why
1: Cincinnati. That's what we're talking about, Cincinnati, right now. But if we win nine, 10, 11 games every single year, uh, like I think. Houston's capable of doing um every year the recruiting's getting better the transfer portal is getting better our next guest in the waiting room uh, uh in the green room Morgan Aylor's son had a big to do with turning this program around and um and we're headed in the right direction the ship is righted if you will so um you know last two years winning eight games uh that helps out a lot
6: oh there's no doubt about it and man you, you got Mike Houston at the controls that guy's track record is insanely good His programs just almost never take a step back. It's Lenore Ryan on the rise under his watch. Citadel on the rise on his watch. JMU was a little different, but it's hard to beat, you know, a first-year national championship. Obviously, you're going to come down a little bit from that. Um, And then ECU, a couple rough years, a couple good years, right? So I'm fascinated by his challenge. I am a Mike Houston believer. I think he's one of the top coaches in this state as we speak. Um, but his challenge is different this year. You guys know the dudes better than I do. When he mentions, we got to show the world our next set of dudes because the dudes they know about are now in the NFL or somewhere else. So yep. uh, it's a fascinating challenge and one I'm looking forward to to covering at, at the North Carolina Sports Network and, of course, visiting you guys in Greenville at some point as well.
1: Well, you're always welcome with us. And if you need tickets or anything, you know, that we'll we'll look out for you. DG, uh, so excited again to have you back. Give everybody the information Uh, before we let you go uh, thank you so much for coming on look forward to having you back on uh, in the fall as we talk more thankfully uh, football you know we've got uh, with high school college and pro football
6: yeah thanks to you guys for having me as always you call me anytime Uh, I'm always happy to join you you guys have done a great job with your graphics so it's up there at David Glenn show and at Our social handle is a little different than our network or our website. So on social, we're at VNCSportsNet, at T-H-E-N-C-SportsNet. And then the website is slightly different, ncsportsnetwork.com. But that's kind of our Grand Central Station, those socials and that website. And, uh, yeah, folks, can if they can subscribe to the YouTube channel, they're doing me a really big favor. Uh, But it's great to be with you all again. Always have fun.
1: No doubt enjoyed and enjoy the, I guess I usually say sabbatical, but you don't have that, but uh, we do have a few weeks before. I know things are going to get really cooking for you in the fall.
6: Yeah. Business ownership, man, you got to wear a lot of hats. Uh, so there's no more sabbaticals for DG in the near future, but it's worth it. One more, one more dive into the deep end of the pool. We'll see how it goes. And I certainly appreciate y'all's help along the way.
1: No yeah. doubt. Have a good one, man. Enjoy you the too, rest guys. of the weekend. Have fun. See you later. All right. Bye-bye. Appreciate David Glenn coming on and now a good friend of ours. Hadn't had him on in a while, but glad to have uh, the voice. Uh, He's actually the PA guy, if you will, uh, for Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and father of um, a future NFLer. I'm really excited about Holton Aylers' uh, chances in Seattle. Morgan Aylers, welcome back, Morgan. Glad to have you back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's a beautiful day and it's
0: football season. That's always a good thing.
1: No doubt. Uh, Just want to get your reaction. Morgan, I
0: want
2: to.
1: It's a little bit of a go ahead, delay, delay Yeah. I just want to ask you your reaction as far as uh, we've asked every guest about the conference realignment is crazy. And uh, how do you feel about East Carolina's chances as far as and the American? Is that going to stay the same? Or do you think anything will be different?
0: Uh, you know, with, with, con- <clears throat> excuse me, with conference realignment, it's really hard to, to fall to school. that's going to go from x dollars to three x dollars when they bring it in and you know it's going to keep changing it's you follow the money trail and uh you look at these things that uh these schools are doing they're looking out for their best interest and as far as east carolina goes i think that we've got to continue to win and continue to build the program and i think there will be some opportunities in the future but i think the dust has got to settle on some of these quote unquote big name schools first And, uh, you know, will the Pac-12 be a Pac-12, you know, in next year? Who knows? How many schools, by the way, does the Big Ten and Big 12 have now? It's not 10 and it's not 12. I can promise you
2: that. So, they're going to have to, you
0: know. 16 and
1: 18, I believe.
2: Yeah, you know. Big Ten is 18. Pac-12 is 16. You know.
0: So, do they change their name? Who knows? But uh, I think East Carolina, I think, will – I think the result in the fallout of the ACC schools, I think the ACC is going to lose some schools. Everybody's talked about Florida State possibly leaving, uh, Clemson possibly leaving. You know, they've got a tremendous buyout, but with the, the way the landscape's changing, these schools can look at these, some of these donors and possibly get a lot of that buyout money right away and uh, because their program will benefit greatly by going to some of these bigger schools. And in the SEC, well, they have 20 schools here in two or three years. Who knows? I think it's definitely uh, changing the landscape of of the college program, as we know. And I was talking with somebody this week, and I can remember growing up watching the ACC basketball game of the week on Saturdays. And uh, Maryland was, you know, a big player in the ACC with Leopard-Giselle back in the day, that kind of thing. And uh, I can't remember the last time I watched a Maryland basketball game because the rivalries aren't there anymore. And uh, that's a shame. I I think that some of these schools are going to lose a lot of their – uh, I'm not going to say they're hardcore audience and they're hardcore fan base, but some of their fringe fans that might like Clemson from Eastern North Carolina, but once they go somewhere else and you don't see them, you know, will you will you continue to follow Clemson? So I'm not saying Clemson's leaving, but I'm just using that as an example.
1: No question. I want to ask you uh, personally. Obviously, I know you got to be proud, of future, a future dad of a future NFL player. Uh, and Holt, and just wanted to ask you about him. And as far as uh, Seattle, uh, really cool. I, I think the only thing is it's uh, on the um, – being on the West Coast, it's going to be a little bit more travel travel for dad, right?
0: Well, it's just, you know, right now he's out there in training camp. They had their Fan Fest last night uh, in Lumen Field, which is the first time he's had a chance to play there and uh, felt very good about the way he played. Talked to him a little bit after the game last night. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's a five-hour flight. And it's three thousand miles. You can't go any farther west than he went to play football in in the professional <laughs> ranks. I mean, you can't. And uh, but he's in a really good situation. You know, Pete Carroll and his staff have done a great job of uh, drafting the last two or three years. Geno Smith. Uh, you know, he's he's been a guy that was picked in the second round uh, when he was came out of college, and he's had a lot of ups and downs throughout his career. But last year really came on and. Uh, played well and he's been a great mentor to Holton out there as has Drew Locke you know there's only three quarterbacks in the quarterback room right now and they've been uh, you know really learning and Holton's taking it as a job and you know in the NFL it's a billion dollar business it's one of those uh, things people don't realize is that you know they go out there it's if if you're not good enough they're going to find somebody that that is good enough so you got to go out there and do everything they ask you to do and more and uh, Holton's really, you, you know, embraced that. He's uh, they're off today, and you know, from what I understand, I sent him a message a while ago. He said he might go fishing this afternoon, but right now he's at the training facility watching tape of yesterday's game.
4: Morgan, this is Matt. Uh, I wanted to ask you. You know, I'm sure, just as a dad, right, coming at this from a, from a parent's perspective. You know, Holton, the hometown kid, had a tremendous career at East Carolina. I think he's going to leave a a great legacy behind as one of the guys that helped to bring this program back to to prominence. Um, Obviously, I'm sure a lot of emotions during his five years with the Pirates, some ups and downs. In some ways, I wanted to ask you, as a parent, in some ways, is it kind of like a, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, like a relief to have Holton now kind of move on to the next level so you can just kind of, take a deep breath and, and just watch his success?
0: It, it has been uh, a very interesting five years. Uh, and, you know, the advent of, of really the the explosion of social media in those five years, not that there wasn't before, but uh, in today's world, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people think they can say whatever they want and uh, do whatever they want with no repercussions in a lot of different ways in life. And that that happened here. Uh, but he wouldn't change a thing. I don't, you know, he had the opportunity. He had uh, several opportunities to, to move on from East Carolina over the last couple of years and uh, opted to stay. And he wanted to to get East Carolina to a bowl game, and he did that against Boston College, and they wimped out. And then uh, last year, the Birmingham Bowl, and, you know, it just it couldn't have ended any better for him, you know, the last month or so of the season, and then the uh, the bowl game, and then, you know, he he, he set goals. He's very goal oriented, and uh, I think East Carolina, with Coach Houston and his staff and the players, are in really good, solid footing, and going to be exciting year. And uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a relief. You know, if I don't hear the hometown kid again, I'm good. You know, um, you know it's anyway. I'm just going to leave it at that. But uh, uh, I'm I'm an elephant. I don't forget much.
1: And that's the thing, uh, Morgan, you know, I took up for Holt a lot and for you because we're friends, um, not that you, you guys needed it, but um, all three of the guys all, on the screen right now have kids that are up and coming, um, meaning Matt has multi-sport athlete with uh, his son Chase, Bubba has uh, his son Riley, multi-sport athlete, my son Alex, multi-sport athlete that are coming up. And so we, we were like, wow, you know, like all these people don't realize that we have sons that are up and coming and what if they were in the same, you know, w- what What if we were in the same boat as you having a son and, you know, playing at the level, you know, who knows what's going to happen with them. Um, but we were uh, definitely, uh, definitely, I guess, uh, watching that extremely close because we in the matter of years, we could be in that same boat and we were feeling for you because uh, you're talking about my son, <laughs> you know, and it could happen to us.
0: Well, and again, social media, everybody has an opinion and you can use it and and you can say it. Uh, I will say that Holton really did a good job and he said it many times, keeping uh, his friends and his circle tight and, and knows what's right, knows what, you know. I'll give you a great example, okay? You watch a college football game in the stadium or you watch it on television, especially let's go to TV. You see what the director wants you to see you don't see you know you you're watching a a play that's designed to go to the left and i'm just going to say the throw is short well sometimes it's a bad throw first one to admit that you know or maybe the receiver ran two or three yards deeper than he was supposed to or somebody didn't block you know there's a lot of pieces in football that have to work to make something successful and again in in you get people to watch the game, and the first thing they do while they're watching the game, they're typing their opinion. Everybody's got one, but you know it's uh, it's you know it's a blessing to be uh, have him go through East Carolina. It's going to be different for me this year, not calling it for the first time in five years. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> you know I've been a fan here. I, I graduated from here, came here in 1984, haven't left Greenville since. Um, been blessed to be able to. I think this is my 20th year doing football. Believe it or not, this will be my 33rd year doing basketball. Um, So I've been doing this a long time and, you know, been to radio the whole time and um, it's a blessing to be able to do it. And I'm excited for it and uh, exciting to see what Holton does uh, coming out in Seattle. So, you know, go ahead.
4: Yeah. Just to kind of jump in on that. I mean, football aside, I mean, I, I can't imagine how proud you are. I mean, Holton, always a class act. And and to your point, regardless of, you know, at times if there was criticism, he handled himself great. He's a tremendous ambassador for East Carolina University. And I, I, you know, going back to, you know, pre-draft workouts and, you know, um, right before the draft, you know, when the conversation around, you know, East Carolina players and who can get drafted and who can make it in the NFL. And my my thought was, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the show, but my thought was Holton – Is going to have a tremendous chance to to be on a roster in the nfl for a long time because of the fact that even putting the athletic ability aside tremendous character he's going to work his ass off he's going to be a great locker room guy and those are things that nfl gms want in their in their program and uh so i'm just wishing the best for him and your family because i think he's got all the tools physically and he certainly has the character so just hoping for big things from him out in Seattle. And, well, I, and that's all well, I have you so to, much I'll get off my uh...
0: <laughs> No, pre- man. I, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, again, it's the business aspect of it. But, you know, I joke with Holton a lot because over the last four or five years, he's developed a really good football brain is what I call it, okay? Um, he's, it's, he studies film, he studies the game. You know, I can remember one time last summer, uh, he was watching film in the summer. I said, what are you doing? He's been watching film. I said, of what game? He said, of the SMU game. I said, which one? He said, their whole season. I'm like, wow. Okay. And I said, why? He says, because I want to see the different things they do that we might be able to take advantage of or wow. see the things they do offensively. And, you know, it's just, he's got a, a really good knack for, for seeing things and know he's developed that he's played a lot of football and that's one of his big advantages i think uh again this may be as a dad but it's a excuse me it's a uh uh, uh, ability to go out and see things at the line of scrimmage because he's played 55 football games a lot of these quarterbacks come in and you see him i'm gonna jump after one year or two years in college and i've played 10 games well there's a big difference in experience you're you're more experienced and we got. We all know that East Carolina. His first two or three years here was not very good. I mean, he took a pounding a lot of times. Every and he joke, He'd say, you know, the games last Saturday, and we go to lunch, and his arms are black and blue. His chest is black and blue from some of the hits that he took, and it says it, it, it. stinks because it takes him till Friday to feel better. Then he's got to play again Saturday, and it's the cycle. And you know, you can see last year, and the, really the year before. Once that line started uh, really developing and the receivers started developing, that chemistry did toward the second half of uh, the uh, year, two years ago. And then when they carried on last year, you know what? You know, you got time. You got some good receivers. You got a good offensive line. What he was able to do, what the team was able to do. And I told him, I said in Seattle, even the, the third string guys out there or the you know second, third team, they're professional football players. You know, regardless of what you're dealing with, you're playing with professional football players now. And, uh, you know, he's excited about that. And uh, I think uh, it's uh, great memories here in East Carolina and uh, hopefully going to be great memories for in Seattle or wherever he ends up. But uh, I think he's doing a great job out there right now.
4: But, you know, Morgan, to your point, though, about fans kind of seeing what they want to see or what they're shown on TV, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, I, as a former player, I could totally relate to that. And, like, I'll give you an example, right? And, and I'm just being honest with you, like, so as a fan, I would watch East Carolina and Holton being such an athlete, I would be screaming like, Hey, I wish Donnie would call the read option more, you know, cause I wanted to see Holton run more. And, but then we had Donnie on the show and Donnie, you know, Donnie said, well, people don't realize Holton's banged up. We can't run him 15 times a game. So there are reasons for thing. <laughs> I guess to, what I'm saying is that there are reasons why things happen behind the scenes. And, uh, a lot of fans just just you know they don't understand you know that part of it but uh you know i just wanted to agree with you on that because it's something i see as well
0: well you know last year uh, people know in the nc state game you know he, he had that long run and he fell he got tackled and as he did he landed right on his he landed with his elbows straight down to the ground and it dislocated his shoulder um, missed one play came back in no offense but if i dislocate my shoulder I'm in surgery. I'm out for nine months. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> maybe back in the day, maybe not. But his pain threshold is tremendous, number one, which is, you know, kudos to him and the way he's built and he's wired. But throughout the year, I think it was six or seven times during a game, the shoulder would pop out. He put it back in. There was one time in Cincinnati. I'm behind the bench in the, the, the medical tent's there. Uh, he gets hit late on a play, should have been a late hit, and again, he lands and his elbow right on the ground, shoulder comes straight up, and he's doubled over. At first, I thought he might have broke his collarbone. Goes into the tent, and they pop it back in place. He comes out gets on the phone, and next series, he's back in there. And, you know, they didn't want to run him a lot because they didn't want to risk it, but I think you saw in the Birmingham Bowl game, you know, I think he had 80 or 90 yards rushing, yeah, you know, He was just letting it all hang out and letting it go. And that's what that's what he's capable of. And he did it last night. I think he had three carries uh, in the scrimmage game that he got in last night in Seattle and had 21, 25 yards, something like that. So, you know, he's he's got the ability to do it. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, can they let him go and will they let him go?
3: Yeah, that at yeah. Cincinnati that you referenced, that, you know, I was right behind the bench as well. That was very scary, uh, you know. But uh, you know, for, fortunately, able to continue in that game. Morgan, taking a look at this season, obviously Coach Houston and his staff has done such an excellent job uh, of building this program uh, that is, is more of a reset, not, not really a reload. And you, you've seen them take advantage of the transfer portal, get more length and athleticism and speed in certain spots on defense. And, um, you know, I really think that if we – successfully answer a few questions that uh, we could surprise some people in, in the league.
0: Yeah, you know, it all starts with quarterback. And I think that uh, you've got Mason, you've got Alex, and those guys have been great teammates over the years. I think they they really, uh, and Holton is very tight with both of those guys. And uh, I think they're going to show some people that they really can go out there and play, play some high-level football this year. Offensive line-wise, they're going to be, you know, when they're going back a few years, like we just talked about when, when Holton first got a start, it was a patchwork offensive line. His first full year starting, I think their first game was uh, the COVID year. And uh, under, under Mike Houston, they go to Georgia state, literally their offensive line, the five guys on the offensive line weren't starting five days ago. You had some wow. issues with COVID and, they get out yep. there, and, I mean, there's some back issues that he was dealing with after that. He gets hit, and, you know, it took him two or three years to get over that. Uh, but, you know, Mason and Alex, they've got a good offensive line. they got, you know, really good running back room this year. Uh, wide receivers. they got some guys that played a lot of high-level football, so this offense could be pretty explosive. And defensively, I mean, Blake Harrell and his staff are, have put together a, a solid group, great defensive line. I think the linebackers are going to be uh, – coming in playing and learning the game a little bit the game speed but the secondary in the back half of the pirates could be
3: really electric so it'll be a fun year to be a pirate
1: that's one thing
3: very quickly dave as far as the defense is concerned i think how good the pirates were against the run last year sometimes gets overshadowed because of how much we struggled against the pass late in the season that uh the, we, we were very stout in, in the trenches and, and stopping people running the football.
0: Oh, without a doubt. I, I, you know, they got, those guys are now on the defensive front basically been playing two or three years. And uh, they've played a lot of football. And, you know, they've made it a, a point of emphasis to go out and get some guys, some, some guys or some dudes, as Mike Houston likes to say. And I heard David Glenn say a few minutes ago, get some dudes in the back half. They can really run, they very athletic, uh, rangy, and uh, put pressure on be able to, to go out there man-to-man and play a Cincinnati-type defense. You know, when you look at with Cincinnati the last uh, four or five years with, uh, you know, they had Kobe Bryant, Sauce Gardner leave lead last year, prior to last season, but they did come back and uh, uh, bring in some guys, and they still play that same kind of in-your-face defense, and I think that's what East Carolina wants to do, mix it up, uh, be multiple – and uh, stun a little bit. But when they do that, they've got to be able to 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 play man and to, to make sure that the offense doesn't take advantage of those blitzes. And I think it could be a good year.
1: Morgan, I had a question as far as uh, you would know better than anyone uh, as far as the quarterback room when you're talking about the guys uh, with Mason Garcia, Alex Flynn. Um, I know those two guys have been waiting, uh, but I've been telling everybody that uh, Mason Garcia and Alex Flynn have had the benefit of having somebody like a Holton Nailers. and yes, you know, Mason had the start when it was unfortunate with the situation with Holt with that Navy game, in uh, that COVID year, um, not being able to play. That's another story that we don't have to get into, but but now, <laughs> uh, but now with those two guys, you guys, uh, having Holt, these guys are actually ready to play. I mean, they know what they're doing, they know the playbook. There. both of those quarterbacks are really skilled. And I think Mike Houston's a nice job and Donnie, uh, Donnie K would getting them ready and uh, they were holding the clipboard, but now it's time to step up.
0: Well, they, they definitely know the playbook. They, they obviously they do. I think the, the big difference is that they're going to get out there now and they're going to be playing against teams that, you know, they don't see on a day-to-day basis. They haven't had that ability to go into a game and, read defensives quickly and be able to adjust and make sure people are in the right spot and uh, that kind of thing. That comes with experience. Holton couldn't, you know, wasn't very good at doing that or, early on either. As the, you know, again, we talked about 55 games he played at East Carolina. Uh, you know, those are the kind of things you, you, you learn from experience. Uh, when they go to Michigan uh, to start the season this year, I can promise you the defensive coordinator at Michigan has been around football longer than Mason and Alex, okay? So they're going to be uh, running their defense, but, you know, their job is to confuse our guys, just like our job on defense is to confuse the offense on the other side and, and put our defense in the best position. That's what Michigan, that's what these defensive coordinators do. Uh, you know, I joked with with the player several years ago when I, I used to coach Little League for a long time. And I told him, I said, you know, part of his, his growing up process, uh, this player I was talking to, I said, you know, you got to go out there and, and focus on what you're doing. You can't let the other guys dictate to you what you're going to do just by getting you out of your game. I said because when I was coaching little league, I'm smarter and been around baseball longer than an 11 or 12 year old. Okay, if I can get, I'm I'm at the time, you know, I was in my 40s, late 40s, and I said, you know, if I could get into 11, 12 year old's head before a game, and know what he's doing, I'm going to take advantage of it just like a defensive coordinator is going to take advantage of a player. I think it was uh, – was it James Summers a few years back uh, that came in and had a great first game?
3: And yes, he, against uh, Virginia Tech.
0: Against Virginia Tech. And that and next week game. we go to we go to Brigham Young, and right out of the gate, James, you know, again, he came in as a running back. He wasn't supposed to be the quarterback. Right. Uh, but, you know, three quarterbacks into it, he's the quarterback. And they go to Brigham Young. The first couple plays he does okay then they start stunning and they start you know moving people around and he had a really hard time of uh adjusting to that and then they realize that and they, they they put it to him all game not saying about that about mason at all but that's going to come with experience with these guys they're going to be a different quarterback whether it's mason or alex i think it'd probably be mason to start with and hopefully he does a great job he's a great kid alex is a great kid both extremely smart but they'll be better quarterbacks by the end of the year than they are at the beginning of the year. Because now all of a sudden you've gone from not having any true game experience to having 10, 11, 12, 13 games experience. So that's going to be a big factor for, for East Carolina. and uh, But I think they're going to do great. They know it. They're, you know, I think the coach is going to put them in the best positions to win. And I think the Pirates are going to be going bowling again this year. I really do.
1: I do as well. What about uh, as far as the rest of the college football landscape, uh, what are what are some storylines you're watching this year?
0: I think it's gonna be interesting to see how uh, Oklahoma, Texas adjust uh, you know to their new surroundings. I think that it's uh, they are in the SEC, I believe might be unless they put next year that that will be next, next year, fall next year okay. see, so, yeah, I, I could when I said that, I was like, eh, maybe I'm wrong. but uh, you know some of the new the, the, the teams that are moving around because uh, you know the Nil money that's out there, Has made a huge impact on on college football. You know, I was talking with uh, somebody this week, and uh, I'm not going to say who this was because it's a close person, uh, close friend of mine. But made the comment that there were a couple players that transferred quarterbacks this year that transferred to different programs, and uh, one of the quarterbacks made about one and a half million, and the other is going to make about a million dollars to transfer for one year you know, to wow. play at these schools. And I'm like, you know, how can a guy turn that down? You know, it's tough, you, it's, it's tough to turn down. Uh, and the NIL, they're gonna have to reel that in. I think that's the big story going forward. I think college realignment's part of it from a university standpoint, but NIL money is is ridiculous. And I think ultimately if they don't reel it in, NIL is gonna really hurt the smaller programs who can't compete. And you know, because there's only so many dollars that are available for um, for universities for the Pirate Club, for instance. Let's just say Pirate Club. There's only so much money out there that that you, people can give on a daily basis. And then when you take part of that money that was was going to the Pirate Club and the university, now it's going to NIL money instead of the whole university. Now it's affecting a certain population of the student athlete, not the entire population of student athletes. So they're going to have to reel that in, and if not, it's going to make a, a real big mess. And I think it has already. You know, when a guy can go out there and sign a, uh, you know, do a, a public signing now, and walk away with, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars in in a two or three hour period. You know that that says a lot about you know the the state we're in.
1: Yeah, It used to be called cheating, and now <laughs> and now it's it's okay. Uh, yeah. Morgan is. <laughs> um, in fact, I was told that um, the team, Boneyard and Henry, did a great job with a million dollars. You, you, 000, 000 why dollars lost you there. For, just a million dollars.
0: You have to. Re- Can you repeat that? I
1: just lost. Yeah, you sorry about there. that. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Hank I said Hank and Henry have done, a, and everybody associated with Team Boneyard have done a great job with the collective. I said with the nil. I was told. Uh, I know he said that it was about a million dollars as far as what we'd have to raise to be on par with the other teams in American. So I was like, well, with us being pirates, let's raise two or $3 million. Let's be way ahead of the game uh, to try to – it's not e- it's easier said than done, um, but it's really tough on fans when we – and I was talking to a person in East Carolina a week or so ago. I said, you know, I'm actually now having to uh, put money in four different buckets for my school. When you look at season tickets, when you look at Pirate Club, Pirates Unite – and team boneyard i'm not complaining i'm just saying it's really tough on the average fan to be able to have put money in four different buckets for the same school
0: it is and uh you know you look at these schools and there's every school has their key donors Uh, but there's some universities that have one or two that just have so much you know wealth that they can change the landscape of that university with a snap of the finger um, Houston's got the uh, the guy Frittata, who you know did the did, owns restaurant chains and did that. I heard Charlotte's got a donor like that that has donated a, a tremendous amount to really fund their NIL program individually. And uh, Oklahoma State had the big oil guy that that you know they rebuilt the stadium and does all this. Nike, Phil Knight does Oregon, you know puts all that money. So there are universities like that 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 have one or two people and then you've got East Carolina that you have to get a lot of uh, NIL money from a lot of different people and uh you know it's it's a growing it's a growing thing and it helps the student athlete um you know some people say well they're on scholarship they don't need extra help when you see what these guys do excuse me my voice is kind of scratchy today but When you see what these athletes do, it's not just on Saturdays. It's not just from August first to the end of December. They're out there every day in the summer. They're, you know, they're training, they're lifting, they're even in the spring, they're they're out there at 5:30 in the morning when everybody else is sleeping and there's frost on the ground doing, you know, winter conditioning. Uh I mean, all the athletes go through this if they want to be successful. Uh and yeah they need a little extra because they don't have time to go out there and work you know some people do in the summertime but uh it's still it's it's a tough road to hold and uh you know the nil is going to change it has changed you know the perception of 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 college football and the true meaning of of amateurism you know it's funny because if a player in, in college football signs with an agent they're a professional they can't go back to college I had this discussion last year when, you know, Tyler uh, Tyler Sneed left two years ago. And people were talking, well, you know, he wants to take a shot at the NFL. You know, talking with Tyler, he said, I'm not going to get any taller. Probably not going to get much faster. You know, a chance I could get hurt. He went out there, and he's succeeding in the CFL right now. And that's, you know, hopefully get some game film. But my point with that is he signed with an agent, went to the NFL draft, didn't get drafted. He uh, signed a free agent deal with Pittsburgh, got cut. How come he can't come back to college? Right. Explain Explain that to me. When you can get a quarterback that's making a million and a half dollars right now in college. Exactly. How come a player that went out there and made $10,000, dollars $20,000 during training camp can't come back to college and play football?
4: Well, Morgan, it's a great question. It's it's something that we've talked about on the show because it it just makes no sense whatsoever. And it's just, you know – really what it is it's just another example to me about how clueless the ncaa really has become Amen. Um, uh, you know they've really given away all their power to the networks but it's really things like this that just continue to uh, to baffle me and, and you make a great point and, and there's absolutely no reason why the tyler sneeds of the world shouldn't be able to come back
0: well, they do it in the NBA. They can go out there and they can try out. They can go to the Combines, uh, to Corabion Smith from Farmville, who uh, two years ago declared for the NFL dra- or NBA draft. He goes out and does the Combines, does the workouts, that kind of thing, and realizes, hey, I'm probably not going to get picked. A lot different than the NFL draft or Major League Baseball draft where they've got two rounds. But he, he comes back to NC State and says, I'm going to pull myself out of the draft. Well, football doesn't have that ability. Because once you, you have pro day and, you know, you can once you sign with an agent, uh, you know, and let's get real. There's advisors these people have, you know, and players in baseball, football everywhere, advisors. Uh, but, you know, then they, they decide, well, they know they're not going to be in the top two rounds of the NBA draft, so I'm coming back to college. Uh, they should be able to do that in football as well. And they're not able to. And there are a lot of young men that have one or two years. But, you know, you, get, you take a shot at it and see where I'm at. If I don't get drafted, I can come back. I think that should be a rule.
4: Yeah, I mean, you almost have to have a crystal ball in some of these cases to figure out <laughs> what's best for your future. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, you know, like you, you kind of get it from the perspective of Tyler Sneed, And I, I kind of laugh. That's, that's a funny thing. And he's right. You know, he's not going to get any taller. He, you know, he is what he is at that point. Happy to see he's making the most of it in the CFL. Um, I still, but- I
0: still think, I still think Tyler might have another shot in the NFL. He goes out there and does what he does. You know, is is, is what made Tyler so special here, and it, it people are seeing it in Canada. He's not the tallest guy, but he gets separation. He's got great footwork. He runs great routes. He's got great hands, but he's five foot something. Okay. But what he does is he can get in there and a guy, and he can separate and get open. And if that quarterback can get him the football, he's going to catch it. I mean, he made some spectacular catches here at East Carolina that you would never think that that guy that size can make. But he's got the ability, and I I still think Tyler might get a shot in the NFL.
4: Yeah, he's got a little of that, like, you think of some players similar stature, like a Wes Welker or a Cole Beasley. Um, it takes, it takes a certain type of coach that has the guts to draft a guy like that. You know, like you've seen Bill Belichick over the years, do a lot of creative things like that with different players, uh, over the years. I think a lot of coaches get way too hung up on, on, you know, the height and weight and, and are just missing the boat. I agree. They're missing the boat on him. I have no doubt. If you put Tyler Sneed in the slot in the NFL, he would carve up defenses if given the chance.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I totally agree, and it's funny because I read things, and when Holton was going through his his pre-draft things, you know, he spent a lot of time down in Mobile, Alabama. He learned at the NF, the Hula Bowl, the NFLPA Bowl, and again, two good good experiences for him down there. Then he went and worked with <clears throat> David Morris, a QB country down in Mobile, Alabama. And David, you know, worked with him last summer a little bit. Made they, they set goals going into last season of what they needed to do, increase your, your touchdown uh, interception ratio, completion ratio, total goal for total yards. All those goals were met. And Holton never really had the ability or the didn't have the opportunity to work with quarterback coaches growing up like a lot of these guys do. I mean, like there's guys that are working with kids in fifth, sixth grade you know and they're working with him all the time so yeah you'll develop those techniques better but in the time that he was down there David told me he said there's no way that he's not going to be the NFL for 12 years unless he gets hurt I mean he's got the talent he's got the he can compete with anybody in college football at the quarterback position and yet you read things you know he's got a hitch in his throwing arm he's left he's awkward he's not as fast as he was trust me he's as fast as he ever was you know and the hitch in, you know, the hitch in his uh, delivery. You know, they haven't watched him throw. The scouts at pro day were sitting there going, "Like, wow, we didn't know he could throw the ball that far." Well, he was working on it for the first time. You know, and again, you, you're you're banged up, you're beat up. There's only so many things you can do. And the fact is, East Carolina never really had a lot of deep balls throughout his career. You know, some of these guys, that's all they throw. Just get down there, they're gonna throw it forty yards and try to outrun you. That's not East Carolina's offense, and um, you know. But you know, again, getting back to that, that you know, like with Tyler and you know these guys, and you know, East Carolina is what East Carolina is right now. And the scouts come in and see this, and they still they want to see more. People want to see more, and hopefully, East Carolina can keep getting to that point where the more is four or five guys going to the league every year.
3: Morgan had a question from Robert Dedrick on YouTube. Um, Kind of address this in reverse here, Um, but first of all, he's talking about Holton, the tremendous senior season that he had, just five interceptions. As a team, we only turned the ball over seven times, which is historically good, and uh, I think a lot of people may not have realized that, did not turn the ball over in the final seven games. And then he would also like to get your thoughts on Keith Mitchell uh, with the Ravens and then also Isaiah Winstead with the San Francisco 49ers.
0: Well, you know, the turnover part of it last year, I think that, that goes to having a lot of confidence in your teammates and knowing what they can do and having that chemistry that they have. And, you know, the, you know, Coach Kirkpatrick uh, put them in positions to be successful, whether it was running the football a lot, say at Temple early on in the game last year. You know, Keaton had a monster game down there um, and, you know, those kind of things. Or, you know, we're coming out of the Birmingham Bowl, we're going to throw it like eight or nine times in a row. You know, so, again, it's knowing what you're going against and putting your team in the best position to win, and I think that really told the tale last year, especially the second half of the season of how the team went. As far as uh, Keaton, you know, Keaton, you know, Bobby Bowden, the late Bobby Bowden said, you know, you can t- you can make somebody faster, but God blesses you with speed. He's got speed, and I think he's got a chance to make that 53-man roster up in Baltimore, and, uh, you know, he could be a dynamic player, i think the 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 quote-unquote knock if there is one which we've all seen what he can do is that he's not real big uh but you know he again just like tyler he can get through there and when he does very few people are going to catch him so i think he's got a good shot of making it isaiah winstead uh, i followed him a little bit out there and you know isaiah you know he's got a chance with the with the 49ers hopefully he makes that uh again these guys in the pros once you realize it's a business it's a job interview it's a job interview you're going out there with a multi-billion dollar business and if you can impress somebody in your job interview whether it's uh selling cars or playing college football or pro football you go out there and uh uh, show them what you can do and and do everything they ask and more overachieve you've got a good shot of making it and hopefully Worst case, these guys are on the practice squad, making a pretty good living and learning from it. Uh, you know, you asked me earlier about uh, Holton with Alex and Mason, and, and learning from Holton. Well, Holton's doing the same thing right now with with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. They're teaching him every day. They got a quarterback coach out there that's really good. Sean Walden is the offensive coordinator, does a great job, and they work with these guys and They're in film room every day, and they're, hey, you need to look at this and you know look at this right here and, and do this way and holton even talks to them i said do you ever give them points he says yeah we we have to mm-hmm. i maybe see something he didn't see on that play." so that's that's a really a good relationship and that's how uh these guys develop uh into solid players throughout their career
4: you know <clears throat> morgan i would think geno smith's a great guy for at least from the outside looking in for holton to learn from because he, he has not had an easy career by any stretch of the imagination i mean He's one of those guys. He was drafted high by the Jets. You know, <laughs> the Jets are a tough franchise to play for, man. I mean, they have not they haven't had much success since Joe Namath, and the fans are very impatient. And he it didn't work out there. And but you know, you got to give Geno Smith credit. I mean, he bounced around a little bit. He finally found a home in Seattle and, and had a very good season last year. So I would think he's a guy that's been kind of humbled by the NFL game, the business side of it. And, you know, I, I'd like to think that he's going to be helpful to Holton. How how's that experience been so far? He's had nothing but positive things to say about Drew, Gino and Drew.
0: I mean, you know, Drew, it's his fourth year. I think he played in Missouri, was the guy. Uh, Denver drafted and, and uh, actually came over in the, the Russell Wilson trade last year both uh, drew and gino competed for the starting job gino won it and uh, comeback player of the year all pro year last year led the league i think in completion percentage so but you know he's had that ability and uh it's, we talked about it a little bit last night that you know holton came through when it was a tough time series carolina so he's been through the ups and downs I said gino's been through that way too not necessarily in college but in the pros he's been through where you have a guy that's had you know came in people are talking first round draft pick. you know didn't i had to first thing he was still in the green room in the second round up in new york city gets picked by the jets and and you mentioned jets 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 well they haven't flown much over the years (laughs) they've sort of been grounded you know now uh, things might have been changing here last year and this year but uh, we'll see but Gino's you know, taking the, the down stuff, and I think it's let him mold, molded him into a better person, a better quarterback, better family man, better teammate than uh, he would have maybe if he'd had a tremendous amount of success with the Jets early
1: on. No question about it. It's going to be f- uh, fascinating. I tell you, the, a lot of pi- Pirate fans, I don't know if you've – I'm sure you probably heard it, Morgan, but a lot of pe- uh, Pirate fans have they said they're going to be watching a lot of preseason games because of – the likes of Keith Mitchell, Isaiah, and, of course, with Holt.
0: Yeah, uh, I've heard that. And, you know, uh, Holton's first game is next Thursday night. I think it's 10 o'clock on NFL Network, and they host uh, Minnesota. So, Blake will be there. Uh, so, that'll be good. He's had a really good camp from what I've, what I've heard. Um, you know, in the following week, Holton, Seattle, they host Dallas. And then the following week, they go to Green Bay for their three preseason games. And You know, it's, it's fun to watch – follow people I, I mean i used to be a uh, i am a huge football fan was a big carolina panther fan and over the years sort of developed more and i know more people in the league i'm a fan of players as well as some a couple teams and you follow the players when they're when they're out there when the pirates are out there hey wow it's just like gavin williams i've never been a a cleveland guardian indian fan never we, when lonnie chisenhall from my hometown of Newport, played there. I followed him, and now Gavin's there. I'll turn it on, watch what he's doing. So it's a fan of the of the player, just as much as it is fan of the team. And um, you know, Pirate fans are very loyal, very passionate, very faithful, and um, they'll follow the guys throughout their careers. I'm sure
1: it's going to be fascinating to watch. Thank you so much, uh, Morgan. Uh, it's been it's been great having Holt here. We're looking forward to watching him at the next level. Uh, as Matt said for many years to come, I think that's gonna come into fruition. If it's not Seattle, like you said, it'll be another team or team, multiple teams, or who knows what's gonna happen, but we're very excited for him, excited for you. Uh, thank you for all that you do for the university. I don't get a chance to tell you that uh, very much. It's always, it seems like we're in passing when you have a job to do and I don't get a chance to talk to you very much when we're at games, but thank you so much for all that you do for Pirate Nation and uh, your commitment to the university for many, many years.
0: Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me on. You guys do a great job. And uh, again, thank you and uh, go Pirates.
1: All right. Thanks, Have Morgan. a great weekend, my friend. Appreciate you so much. All right. Appreciate Morgan very much for coming on with us. I know that we kept him a little bit longer, guys. But um, by the way, we're here live at Porky's Backyard Barbecue. And if you hear a lot of people in the background, I uh, just want to give a shout out to Mark. Uh, speaking our sponsors, Mark and Betsy Holiday. The owners and obviously miss joyce the manager they came up with an idea um a sad day on thursday guys uh, our hospital closed uh, it's a very sad situation and uh i'm not going to get on, on a tangent about that but right now if you have a uh, if you know anyone that's a martin general employee if they bring their badge you get free food between now and two o'clock we're looking out for the employees um, so i want to give a shout out to mark for doing that um he's one of my really good friends he and i uh, relate and having a big heart and uh love this community so much so appreciate him having us here today guys but also a very special thing he's doing between now and two o'clock and uh i tell you what matt whenever you and Bubba are in town together and kyle is here today he'll be here late, later on uh you got to come to porky's backyard barbecue i want to give them a shout out for not only today what they're doing right now but the food is tremendous here
4: yeah i can't <clears throat> i can't wait to try it um I'll definitely hit up Porky's next time I'm in the area. And to your point, awesome job. I mean, awesome job what they're doing to support the community. And uh, the food we all know is tremendous. So, uh, you know, proud to have Porky's as a sponsor for the show.
1: No question. I want to get your thoughts before we go. I know we're running a little long, uh, but just as far as, uh, man, it's been so much going Mm on with You know, we used to joke about the offseason. There is no offseason in college football anymore. Uh, Do you see any more – we've been talking about the whole show about college football realignment, Matt. Do you see any more dominoes to fall, so to speak, as far as these conferences are concerned?
4: It's so hard to say. I mean, I I tend to agree with DG that Clemson is – Clemson or Florida State are the big ones to watch moving forward, in my opinion, because – if those dominoes fall, it's going to lead to, you know, a lot of turbulence within the ACC. And, you know, I, I I might be in the minority here, but I do think if the ACC does crumble uh, and begin to get poached that East Carolina is a logical fit. And, um, you know, regardless of what's said out there, I'm going to stick by my thoughts on that because, you know, I think that they're a very logical fit, but, I think when you're looking for the next dominoes to fall, look for Clemson and Florida state. Um, I don't really see the big 10 going any further. I think they got right. what they, at least for now. I mean, don't get me wrong. They would take a Clemson or a Florida state in a second, but I think for now they are what they are. Um, but I, I really love the idea fellows fellas, uh, Bubba and Dave. And I know Kyle does too, but not to sound like a broken record. I love the idea of the remaining Pac-12 schools combining with the Mountain West and the American. I yep. think that's the future. I think that's that's going to lead to more increased TV revenue and just better things for all those teams combined. So I hope that there's some ideas happening or, or some work on that being done behind the scenes. That would Me be too. a great thing for East Carolina.
1: That puts us in, you know, like you were talking about Pac-12, but that puts us, ex- the reason guys, if people are wondering yeah. why, I keep pushing for that, and the guys on the show, that gives us a really, really, really good chance of making the playoffs every single year with that 12-team playoff coming in 24 next year. Man, that is going to be off the chain because Mike Houston is capable of winning uh, the conference or whatever the future conference looks like. It's going to be a super conference. I have no doubts about that, and we're looking forward to that. I know Bubba has a post from an Oregon State fan. Bubba, you got that? I do, um, and like I said, I believe this is strictly from a fan, not
3: necessarily an Oregon State beat writer or something of that nature, had not had the opportunity to dive into that, but um, this was passed, uh, passed on um, about an hour ago by Johnny Gardner, who's tuned in, and so having some technical difficulties here. On, okay, there we go. Um, so this was from at OS underscore beaver. On X, uh, he posted um, best of the rest, Pac Conference, the the West Division could be Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, Cal, Boise, and San Diego State. Um, not bad at all there. And then on the East side, you could have SMU, UTSA, Tulane, Memphis, South Florida, and East Carolina. Eight conference games, all teams in your division, and three from the other. $15 million each is, you know, I'm sure that, that's something that you know, he's just based on what currently is and what he would be hoping for um, throughout that number. But, uh, you know, number aside, you know, that's, that's a setup. I, I would love that conference.
1: That makes you, uh, Matt, that makes you really, really love uh, you know, watching games that uh, we may normally not watch. Um, outside of you know our game, but uh, the other conference games, I would be really intrigued by a lot of um, just looking at that off the top of my head. There's a lot of matchups that would be really cool. And I want to get your take, guys, as far as uh, one thing we haven't talked about. Do you think that makes, I'm not saying a national brand, but as far as the exposure, it would give you East Carolina if you have, uh, I know that we don't have the recruiting uh, dollars, the budget, if you will. But there's got to be a lot of kids that maybe give us a look that would never ever give us a look now.
4: It does. It definitely does because you're expanding your your reach. You're expanding. You're 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 pushing back on that bubble that kind of surrounds your program. And by by, if you have a consistent presence in other time zones, it's going to help open some things up for sure. Like that's why I was all for playing at BYU and Provo. Um, I've been saying for years, I love the idea of going out west and playing a school in the Pac-10, or uh, excuse me, Pac-12. It's hard, it's hard to keep up. Well, maybe now we call it the Pac-4 for today. But uh, I love that idea because you're expanding your circle, you're opening up some new pathways, and that's what you really have to do.
1: No question. That's what uh, – I. I think that's our way for – to really solidify the conference, Matt, is when I say conference, I mean, as far as us being in a conference and, you know, we could easily, Matt, you know, I feel, I felt, I thought about you guys. I woke up in the middle of the night. I couldn't get back to sleep and uh, excited about today with our show and what we're doing. Uh, the folks here at Porky's are doing, but I was just thinking about, you know, if we're not careful, we could be the four teams left in the pack 12. So we need to do something now, like you talked about, we need to be proactive and, not to repeat ourselves, but uh, man, if you're Mike Oresco, I know he's great, but I pray that we can come up with something like this that um, I love seeing the keyboard <laughs> bandits so they call them uh, people on social media, but it's a lot of fun. But we could have a super conference that would be neck and neck with a quote, unquote, power conference.
4: Yeah, and, and if you're John Gilbert today, like I'm on the phone with Mike Oresco on speed dial, and, and I'm making my thoughts known that this is a great opportunity for not only East Carolina, but for the American. I mean, everybody's going to have to push and speak up a little bit here. And for all we know, Mike Oresko is on the phone with the commissioner of the mountain West as we speak. You know what I mean? It, that did this thing. It just, yep. it's just so logical and common sense to me. And you know, if you're, if you're a fan of any team in the, in the American, um, You're just you're looking for that for that next best opportunity um, for your program. So, and I think this could be it. So you like to think that stuff's happening again. Not to sound like a broken record, but it just all makes perfect sense when you when you put it in perspective. And but I'll say this, guys, and I think DG nailed it, and I think Morgan said it too. East Carolina needs to win. We need to
1: win
4: games. This yep. new conference this, that we're in right now, this 2023 version of the American, this is not a great conference. It's okay.
1: Okay, it's right.
4: It's just okay. We've got to win. You know, there, there's opportunity here for, for us, but we have to take care of our own business. We need to win now. And, um, hey, just because we have a new quarterback, blah, blah, blah. You see, no excuses. Every, every year in college football, every program, new quarterbacks. Guess what? A lot of them keep winning. Yep. The beat. And Mason's been in the program for three or four years. He knows the offense. Yep. Let's go, man. Let's go. Let's go win games now, this year. Um, so we need to take care of our business.
1: You know, we talk about 50-50 games, but Matt, you and Bubba played at the college level. It comes down to, and I hate to say this, but it comes down to want to, that want to in the third quarter when you're tired or fourth quarter. We've all played. We're all athletes here. I didn't play the level you guys did but it's that time when you're tired and you don't think you've got anything left in the tank that want to, to win games is the difference between eight games and maybe 10 games. There's a couple games that you know, we know last year, we've talked about ad nauseum, but we could have been a 10 game winning football team last year uh, with the Navy game. And certainly with that, uh, uh, man, it's a horrible NC state game, <laughs> Um but we, we can definitely do it. And uh, I'm excited about the season, guys. I know if it's getting loud in here, I apologize. But um, but I wanted to thank, again, Mark and uh, Betsy, Miss Joyce, for having us here. Again, if you're in the area, we're getting ready to wrap things up. Uh, but I wanted to say that, you guys, thank you so much with everything. Uh, we've got a, gr- a lot of great sponsors. If you want to be a sponsor, then reach out to us. The, uh, it's thesportsobj at gmail.com. Uh, the sports obj gmail.com. very excited thank you bubba for behind the scenes a lot of great guests today and uh we appreciate that very much and uh hey don't forget to like us on uh we have our youtube channel you can uh subscribe to that uh, facebook like that we're um at the sports Obje- uh, at the sports OBJ. Uh, we have instagram at the sports objective same thing for tiktok and of course again email us at thesportsobj at gmail.com if you're interested in being a sponsor love to have you we're working on that right now to get more and we appreciate uh, a lot of great sponsors hey uh matt do you see home there? there? home uh apparel.com you can go there a lot of retro stuff you can get it's really cool uh maybe stuff from the 90s right
4: absolutely man that's a fantastic uh partnership we have and uh, i encourage all the fans to go ahead and check that out um with the promo code tso you get 15 percent off apparel so check it out
1: really cool i want to thank also our good friends uh um, kk walker kevin walker lnk custom homes uh thank you so much for all that you do kevin he has uh stepped up again matt really proud of former player one of the best ever to put on a purple and gold Uniform, uh, graduated in 1985, I believe, off the top of my head. But Kevin is one of the best. He's been very good to us. Call him at 336-688-8461. And you can also email him at kwalkerkev at aol.com. He's a licensed general contractor. Again, if I win the lottery, Matt, I'm going to give uh, Kevin a call. l Custom Homes, appreciate his support of our program, spe- uh, specifically uh, with our Pirate Football Playback. It's going to be Sunday nights at 8 o'clock and we appreciate you all very much. All yeah. right, we'll get out of here. Go ahead, uh, Matt.
4: Appreciate Kevin Walker. It's always it's awesome to see a former player contributing to the show like that, and uh, just want to encourage all the, the people who support this show. This is going to be our best year yet. The content's going to be awesome. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot happening behind the scenes here with the sports objective, and like I said, it's going to be the biggest fall yet, so yep. just encourage everybody To support the show, please go to YouTube, smash the like button, the subscribe button, um, continue to support us, and and you can expect great content.
1: And we have a lot of great shows. And one final thing, don't forget that myself and uh, he couldn't make it today, Harold Robinson, he had a book signing, so I guess he got held up there. Uh, But he, the two of us, plus I know Bubba, Charles Smith, who was here earlier helping helping me out uh, early on in the show. Thanks to him very much. We're going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for our preview. A lot of great uh, fall programming that's on the screen, and you can check that out. Uh, of course, uh, we're going to, it's going to be great. I cannot wait for uh, that programming, and some of us starting uh, soon, ongoing, and we'll have that uh, in, the, in the matter of uh, in a couple weeks as well. All right, thanks so much again to Porky's Backyard Barbecue for having us here, and uh, they're in Williamston, and appreciate uh, all they're doing for the community And uh, we appreciate our association with them. Until next time, you've been watching and listening to The Sports Objective. Good afternoon, everybody, and go Pirates!
5: though got they back, this is our house, this is our town. Not top, every one not copy that.
1: Everybody gonna see us go run speed scream loud, baby, don't hold back. Every foot, every yard, every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it off get the wave going like a hurricane.
6: Y'all make the us-